for not a robots dc comic review show this tangential trio of capricious comic book connoisseurs have returned once again to talk all about this week's latest in dc comics my name is josh and as always my co-host anthony what up humans and reed jingle bells my dudes are with me to divulge, dissect, and discuss nearly every issue that DC puts out. And if you have any requests for us to cover, just let us know. This episode, we are reviewing Detective, Detective Comics 1032, Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint, Wonder Woman 768, Flash 767, Superman Endless Winter Special Number 1, Sweet Tooth The Return Number 2, and Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last Stories of the DC Universe. If you want to talk about, debate, answer, laugh, act, correct, or otherwise comment on anything we say or have said, there is a contact form on notarobotpodcast.com, and we do respond very quickly. We are also on Twitter. I am at notarobotshow. Anthony is at waltgator93, and Reed finally is on Twitter. He is at pgh underscore reed. And we all answer our show mail sent to notarobotpodcast at gmail.com. Now is the time to say a big, huge thank you to the people who help us support the podcast. They subscribe to our Patreon, some for as low as a dollar a month, so that we can make sure we keep bringing you more and better content. This is the Not A Robot Anti-Beatbot Must Be Human shout-out and roll call. And that shout-out goes to our humans. We've got Weird Science Jim, Blue Mondays, Hollister, Torpedo Face, and our newest member, Rotch Crockett. <laughs> A big salute to all of you and an even bigger thank you. So what are you waiting for? Sign up and show us you just might be a human after all and get a shout out on the Not A Robot. Anti-Beatbot must be a human roll call. <laughs> Roch Crockett. Now the name that he originally used was totally different, but I had to censor that out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh boy. Thank you, Roch Crockett, and all the rest of our humans for signing up. We really do appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy the show. Now it is time for the Twitter polls. We had our Twitter followers select this year's story arc of the year through a series of polls narrowing, narrowing down the top contenders. We got that number down to four titles, and those titles are Death Metal, Justice League Dark, The Joker War, and Deceased. You voted, and this is what you told us. Death Metal and Justice League Dark each took 10% of the vote, with The Joker War surprisingly grabbing 20%. Now, I thought that that got more hate out of 
the, uh, out of those three than any of the other ones did. I'm, I'm surprised that that got so high. But uh, that leaves us with 60% of the vote left, and that clearly goes to Deceased. Uh, Deceased is the story arc of the year, Twitter guys. Uh, Deceased has been released under three different titles, but they all belong to the same story. It's just broken down into different periods of time, before, during, and after the infection. It has been a solid book since issue one, written by Tom Taylor and drawn by artists like uh, Bruno Redondo and Trevor Harzine. And it's hard to argue with this choice here. I was a big fan of several titles this year, but uh, not a lot of them made it to the end. One of them I thought for sure was going to get it. Uh, I'm looking at you, Suicide Squad, but it didn't. Every Every title considered was well qualified to win, but this year Deceased takes home the gold. And we do not have any show mail this week, so we're just going to go ahead and move on to the books. We will start things off with Detective Comics number 1032, priced at $3.99, written by Peter J. Tomasi, with art and cover done by Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, and Dave McKay, with letters done by Rob Lee. So Hush is back, and he is making his move. He has gathered up the entire Bat family during the confusion of the protests that happened in the last issue, and he's got some pretty ulterior motives. He's made a few changes, and he's taking his moniker to heart. He's given Red Hood, Nightwing, Batgirl, Orphan, Batwoman, and Signal a paralytic agent that deadens their vocal cords, so they literally have to hush. I thought that that was kind of neat, man. It's a little, it's a little on the nose, but this is a Batman villain, so all is forgiven. It, it, okay, yeah, it is a Batman villain. You and can't go too crazy. It can't be too much. There's no way. Since, Calendar Man. Right, since Hush's introduction, there hasn't been much Hush about Hush. You know, I well. mean, he was, you know, so, I mean, we get a new spin on his name and, and the, the, the shtick gets to continue. I can appreciate that. It's one that makes sense. I'm cool with it. His plan is crazy. Um, so he, uh, his plan is totally nuts, y'all. Uh, he he uh, he paralyzes their vocal cords so they can't talk. There's a lot of murmuring going on, but that's all. So uh, this gives him the chance to deliver his villainous monologue. This isn't just a revenge thing, though. Um, Hush actually plans to kill the team and harvest their organs. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is he, he wastes no time in beginning tests he's drawing blood running uh, uh comparison tests and all kinds of stuff organizing the deals to make it all happen uh he, for, I'm, I'm i'm there's a chance i could be forgetting I, if, that there's some kind of uh maybe hush has a problem with red hood but he definitely seems to want to start with him uh so if, if anybody out there is listening and you can, you can remind me of that, I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, so meanwhile, Batman is out searching for Damien and he finally finds him because Damien tracked a small piece of paper into the Batcave when he stole the black case book. Uh, Batman arrives at Damien's hideout and finds the black case book and a whole lot of pictures of Alfred. I think it's pretty obvious how close Alfred and Damien were to anyone who has read them together in the comics at all. Um, yeah, the, sweet. That was a sweet moment. It, it, oh, they, they, they've had a whole bunch of sweet moments, Alfred and Damien really have, since he's been introduced. And um, to me, it was always, he was 
very, very much the closest person to Damien out of anybody, even Talia. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought that that was really obvious. Um, not so much to Bruce, though, because it seems that he just now realizes that Alfred may have been a bigger father figure to Damien than he was. <laughs> and that surprises me. Uh, but Damien takes this time to attack and Batman actually defends himself this time instead of letting his kid beat the hell out of him. <laughs> he does uh, he does so while trying to reassure Damien that he is loved and doesn't need his approval. And it ends with them both crashing, crashing through a window and falling down below. Uh, he says uh, he won't hit him, but he's he like body slams him a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. I'll hit you. I'll just show you love with passion. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, they land, and uh, we get a little Damien attitude that we all love. Bruce asks if they're all done fighting, and Damien says, probably not. Um, love after his smock. A... <laughs> love, his, love his outfit, by the way. It's very like Renaissance fair. It's got Ooh, little I do. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't mention that, but uh, yeah, um, Damien's new outfit is very cool. It reminds me of like maybe what they were trying to do with Drake's outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, that it. muted almost uh... with the one in Young Justice run or yeah that outfit? yeah just because it's like it's like that, that muted up. brown yeah. kind of stuff going on disgusting but it looks much better with you know yeah. on Damien for sure um, plus the color is like I'm better as well yeah yeah it's because it's paler it looks it looks a lot better um, after a little side piece with da- uh, maybe I shouldn't have used that word, but after this little side story with Nagano. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll just, we'll just move past it. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, after Nagano overreacts to Bruce paying for his eye implant and rejecting it, throwing it away and smashing it on the floor, uh, we get back to the story and see that Damien and Batman have put aside their differences and are searching for the team after Batman realizes that they've ignored they've ignored several attempts to contact um no one's responding to their pagers man (laughs) just as they are about to get there we see hush beginning to administer chloroform as an anesthetic and he does so to avoid a paper trail um that's that that was a smart detail that i thought was cool to include Mm -hmm. um and, uh, of course, he's going after Red Hood, like I mentioned before. Uh, Red Hood is the first match. I, and, and that's the end of the story. I love this art team. It's detailed where it needs to be. It's fun where it needs to be. And it's all colored and lit really well. Hush's face at times looks a little cartoony. But uh, it doesn't ruin or distract much uh, for me at all. My interest in the last issue dipped a bit, but this one brought it back up. Next issue, Hush, Hush, Sweet Hush. I give this one, uh, my final score is uh, eight hushes out of ten. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, this is, um, the art was cool. I, I liked the, the look of a lot of the characters. Um, some kind of logical stuff for me. I don't want to get too down far down the rabbit hole, but um, I feel like escaping from being like tied down in every conceivable way should be like a bat family like lesson number one like you can't be a a batman unless you can untie yourself from like every way but uh that aside (laughs) um i like that hush is getting a little um 
kind of like zany flavor it seems like because this whole scheme of selling organs is, is, is a lot of fun um other than that uh it looked great um pages went by quick uh so i'll give this one uh 7.5 out of 10 i dig the off it feels a bit strange how we did get a good amount of um of mirror mirror before and now just a huge like swift to like now i feel like he just got sidelined to hush because this is probably like a, a two three part story uh well i mean i guess technically i'm assuming the conclusion will be the next very issue. next issue yeah yeah it just seems like odd how they just like show on this two part story into the beginning of like uh mirror 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 who I think it might be um, Takano's wife. Um, mm, that's ooh. a good take. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I mean, I was reading this issue, I'm like, you know what? I think she's a bad guy. I don't know why. She seems like a bad, bad, bad guy. You just get a bad feeling from her? Yeah. She's definitely kind of like, yeah, she's like hyping him up and all, whispering stuff in his ears. So I'm like, He's a face while she's a, the be, face behind the face. Hmm. Why was he mad that Bruce bought the um, eye, though? Well, okay. Uh, in all fairness, Bruce definitely had some spy tech in that eyeball, yeah? yeah. That's exactly what I thought. You think? Exactly <laughs> For what sure. For sure he's going to be tracking that bulb. Yeah. I mean, there's a GPS Why, locator at the very least. I mean, it's not. It's, 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 it's that's totally Batman. Yeah, I mean, but, wh- why come up with a way to beat your best friends and make sure, you know, not just beat them, but kill them. Like Also, like, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd like to be indebted, even if, like, you don't have any suspicions of Bruce Wayne per se, like, the idea of, like, accepting someone, f- like, that something that's going to be inside of your skull from anyone in Gotham seems like a bad idea. Well, I think, okay, so here's, as far as Nakano is concerned, I mean, his whole thing is that he wants it straight, he wants it narrow, and he wants it completely open and honest, right? So he doesn't want anyone to even think that he might be under the influence of anybody that has it's ulterior motives for Gotham. You know, That's he, like his whole platform. Yeah, so I mean, I, you know, once he found that out, I mean, I can understand. I mean, that, that, he that would break it, though. Yeah, you know, not breaking. He had to smash. No, exactly. That's he what I'm it was a bit of an overreaction, you know. I'm just saying. He could have said, you know, I pass, but a bit of an overreaction. But oh, overall, my God. I he enjoyed like, the like, issue. No. Yeah, he, yeah. He flipped <laughs> that out, doctor. Man. It's really that doctor really spilled the beans, though. Yeah, like, oh, damn. I should have that. <laughs> he did. He uh, took a turn. Things took a turn for the worse there for a second. We'll mm-hmm. see how how things play out with Nakano and wh- where whether or not uh, Mirror Mirror becomes uh, a factor or not if he carries on in in the next issues past what happens in Future State. Uh, but that's about it for Batman, or excuse me, for Detective Comics. Which I mean, let's be honest, that is Batman. Oh, um, I give that actually a seven point five out of ten. Um, I like how we did get more progression with um Damien. Like, like I like how we did get like we knew from the Teen Titans issue he was frustrated with how um Alfred how um Alfred died. We see more of that. We see a uh, get more emotional with him. Um, that's nice. We see Batman working with him again. 
I'm wondering where this is going to lead because where have we not, what major book have we not seen Damien in that takes place all over the board? The, a big, what, what event are we reading that we have oh. not seen a single page panel of, of, of Damien? Death Metal? Yeah. That is, that is a very good question. He isn't even in the one with all the um, Titans. No, he's, he doesn't show up in there either. We'll get to that one, but yeah. Hmm. Good question. I mean, because they, they, they brought back everybody, but they have decidedly and perhaps intentionally left Damien out of it. I'm not sure. It's strange because as we'll find out later, they literally bring back everybody, but we have not seen Damien not once. Well, I mean, there is a chance that... Um, you know, maybe it's a parallel universe kind of thing, or, or is there a possibility that we've forgotten that that Damien has died? I'm unsure. There's no telling what. So is Batman? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, there's no telling what could happen in in the death metal story, just like there's no telling that what could happen in uh, Tales of the Dark Multiverse, um, which Anthony is going to lead us through Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint. Priced at $5.99, written by Brian Hitch, with art by Andrew Curry, Scott Hanna, Alex Sinclair, and Jeremiah Skipper, with letters by Rob Lee and David Marquez and Alex Sinclair brought us that cover. Anthony, you want to take us through Tales from the Dark Mulliver's Flashpoint? Now, when this book got announced, I was a bit excited because not too long before that this got announced, the whole month of October, on my Hoopla app, I read every single Flashpoint issue, whether it was part of the core story or within those other like 15 or 20 side stories as well. Yeah, that's not so, no, that's no small investment of time, man. No, because <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm very story. familiar with the whole Flashpoint universe. So I was like, ooh, let's see if I can, because as we found in the last issue, I knew nothing about War of Gods, the Wonder Woman, War of Gods, or whatever it's called. So I was a bit bored. So this one, I was like, okay, you now pique my interest. Hopefully you don't bore me like the last one did. Now, with all of the Dark Wonder issues, we do get a bit of a twist with them. In this one, we see Barry Allen dying from his attempt of bringing back his speed. Yeah, he guys, I mean, he gets barbecued. Oh, yeah, he gets. It it does not work. Old school speed force, yes. He needs mm-hmm. to upgrade his protocol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. This is this is the moment where he actually got his speed back in the original Flashpoint, isn't it? Yeah. Right? And just that's second the attempt in this one. He uh he 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 burned the hell out of himself. <laughs> Cooked a lot. Cause actually Eamor, um, he gets struck by that second low angle, which for some reason, um the second half of River Slash's co- costume turns red like how flash has his costume is full on red now we have half of like flash costume have a reverse flash onto ebog um you know what i did not notice that really yeah i didn't i i i I didn't even notice it at all maybe it's because it looks i don't know maybe because it looks so similar to kid flash i don't know it just it looks natural on him there's too many flashes i can't keep track way too many flashes (laughs) Because well, yeah, because even when I saw the saw the the design, like you know, like, that looks just like um 
back in Jeff John's run of Titans of Tomorrow or Titans of Tomorrow, where we see the future mm-hmm. of Paul Allen. He yep. looks just like him. He does. Um, which like, I enjoyed the um, design. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I was just a little, so. also a little bit confused on why it was red. Um, it was just out of... It, it just was there, I guess, because I feel as if it really did nothing. Like, it, it had no purpose. I mean, other, than, other than looking pretty cool. Yeah, because like, as you guys said, like, you didn't recognize it, so it didn't really make people like, saying, oh, he did this, this to him. Like, I wish they did something slightly more different than just, like, make it stand out more. Um... And we also see a Tom Springer, he tries to actually stop Thom, but unfortunately, he does not get the job done. Which, as we all read from um, Tom King's button issue, uh, part one, no Batman will be able to dis- win in a fight against if you just Flash. Yeah, no, that's completely impossible. Do you think that was a um, nod to that story arc? More than likely, yes. Just because how that story arc had Flashpoint in it, and this one you do see a few times where he just gets wrecked by Reverse Flash. Yeah, at the very least, they use it for canon. I mean, it backs it up. Mm. It's smart. You know, you just—I don't care how prepared you are, unless you've got some big, huge weapon that will trap him. Mm-hmm. Your you, Batman versus any Flash is going to get his ass whipped. Now, if I don't get a Flashpoint, um feel while reading this thing, I feel like the book did not really make me feel like didn't really do the job correctly and all. But within a few pay within like about eight pages or so, I got that flashpoint vibe. Especially when I see in the presence um chamber, I see all the heroes that I recognize, like what story they were in, um what did they bring to the whole overall story arc. It was pretty cool to see. But unfortunately just like a few um, wrestlers we see in WWE, they were just jobbers for Reaper Flash because he just comes in and he wrecks house. Hey, real quick, do me a favor. Uh, yeah. Th- who is that in the green? Is that Enchantress? Um, let me just pull it back up. Yeah, loading, loading, loading. The, the, who, the only woman there. I be- Oops, if I do remember correctly, it was Enchantress. Let's scroll. It's the one he turns... He turns. Yeah, super um, that's old. Enchantress. Yeah, Enchantress, Greeno, um, Avancer, Cyborg, um, Citizen Cold. Okay. <laughs> Such a stupid name. Citizen Cold. Citizen Cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His little glasses. Little... It looks like he should be in a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Which it was stop motion. Per- it was pretty cool because, like, um, he wasn't like because before I even read that, people were saying, "Oh, he was such a good guy." But then I wish you about his story. Like, no, he killed Wally West. He's not really a bad guy. He's playing. He's faking being a, a good guy. He's legit a villain still. So people were just like, I don't know why people were, were hyping up, saying, "Oh, he was a good guy." It was cool to see him. Like, did, well, did you not Commander read it? Commander Gold was a good guy, but Citizen yeah. Gold, he wasn't a good guy. No, yeah. I'm like, did you not read that's no no, he was a bad guy. No. He wrecked house. Um 
Yeah, what happens after flat after reverse flash shows up and wrecks the president's house? Unfortunately, um, Cyborg does try to fight back, but he doesn't quite get the job done. And we do actually get a little bit of knowledge of the president and also of how he became the president, which I feel as if um this was all I feel as if Brian Hitch, the writer, he um did it this next part to give like a nod or saying like, hey. I got you covered from Joshua Watson's run by Revolt Flash was saying that he was whispering stuff into his ears throughout his life. Yeah, we just found that out. Any further with that? Has has he always been able to atomize people? Yeah, he just like poof, you're gone. I mean, like he died in Manhattan, did I didn't think so. Uh, yeah, like... he, he said he basically has every power ever ever he can do literally whatever he wants well Which, that's new <laughs> that i didn't really like because I, I hate when you, you make, I mean, you make that a character the result OP. of is that the result of the reverse flash getting hit by flash's lighting lightning bolt is it just amps up his abilities to manipulate everything i mean it at the atomic level, I mean, scientifically stretching it, I mean, I suppose I can make it work. I mean, if he just got the power, so it feels like, like he was no way for him to, like, know that fast. Like, yeah, like yeah. He was he, bragging the whole time about how he can change anything he wants and he can, like, atomize you and he can, like, go through time and make sure you didn't even exist and all this all kind, of, all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. He rigged every election ever. <laughs> now with Thomas remember what Barry said about his timeline only makes him more angry because now Thomas knows that in Barry Allen's timeline his Bruce is still alive um, his wife didn't go insane They're not, his wife and Thomas are not alive but yet Bruce is still alive like he was alive that's the main point uh, it just gets to him from a father to a son saying I can make my son being alive because he knows that he and his wife, they would change timeline to get his son back, which that's what happens in the um, Thomas Wayne three-part story arc in Flashpoint, actually. Um, you are a Flashpoint encyclopedia. I just read that a few months ago, so I should be. All right. For some reason, I don't get the um. Let me just our computers froze up. Don't worry, production will take care of you later. <laughs> we'll have the production team just cut this out, no problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jimmy, mark this. Mark this in the in the. <laughs> Great job, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Teamwork. All right. Now with Bruce, I mean with uh, with Thomas being so angry as he is, um. We see Imbar comes to see Wayne and teaches him about the re- about returning both Bruce and Martha to the way that they were before. Um, but for some reason, I don't get the vibe that this is the same Thomas that I read in the Flashpoint event a little bit. Um, just only the way that how he is written and his expressions feel a bit off. He in the book and all, um, he, I felt more ang- he feels a little more angry. This one, not so much. Um, for even he comes across as like really depressed and defeated, really. Yeah, which he did. Uh, 
he did watch his his buddy get uh, turned into some some. Really he knew him for like a few, stuff. for like a day or two. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, I mean, he didn't really buddy. know him very long. And well, now he's now the whole bat cave or whatever they were smells like roasted flash. And Kentucky Fried Flash. You can't get that out. You can't get that out of your cape. He's gonna be smelling that all week. It's weird. And he doesn't have an Alfred. Uh... Oh, see, no. Yeah, He's got to do that all of a sudden. He's a bachelor. His cape stinks so bad already. His wife left him, went crazy, dyed her hair huh? green. I mean, he's got nobody. To... He's got no idea how to dry clean. And the struggle <laughs> he goes through. Jokerized. Um, but at least we even see a, a return character help him along the, the way to take down Reva's um, Flash. Because with this character, um, Zyborg, I thought he died. I don't know if you guys, but like, I honestly thought that he died. Um, but when we do see him returning, it was pretty cool because earlier in this issue, he does give a nod of making a, rob- a robot man. So it was nice because like, it what didn't feel forced. It felt a little bit natural, only because of that one line we got um, back with the president. But Thomas isn't the only one um, on River Slash's agenda because Spawn tries to take over over everything by ending the battle between the Atlanteans and the Amazonians. But it seems like Thawne made too many enemies as some of the foes join forces. We even see some gods appear. And this is where it feels like the writer had no idea how to finish the story because Amber goes back in time and saves the Wayne family and builds his own army for any future enemy. Um... It was pretty cool. Like the action scenes were pretty cool when Superman sh- shows up to take down Reverse f- f- Flash. Ah, oh, skinny Superman. Yeah, <laughs> like he did. Good amount of He's damage. He's nice. I like him. His little skinny bones. Like that's why one of my favorite parts of the book was just the action scenes we got. Um, which reading this, I wish we did get more of Reverse Flash and Superman, or Reverse Flash and somebody in their super family, because that's some new, different, that's always cool to see. But I gotta admit, but later we do also see Thomas, as I said before, that Thomas didn't feel like the Thomas I read in Flashpoint. Later on, I do get the Thomas back. Yeah. Um, someone that does that, does what he wants to get what he wants. Someone who has anger and, and doesn't feel depressed. Oh, which was nice, but then just the ending, just out of... If they didn't include the gods, I felt as if that was just like a little bit... um, Because a few of them I recognize, and a few of them I'm like, okay. I I guess I see what you're doing. But then by the end, when he goes back and saves um, Thomas... What did you think about that part where he shot Superman in the head? You hate to see it. I knew it was coming, but you hate to see it. I didn't. I. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't think that it was actually going to happen. I thought it was going to be attempted, but I never thought that it was actually going to happen. This the spooky verse. Of course, it's going to do it. It's the spooky verse. First thing, I thought that was maybe like a knockout, like a trank. But no, when you do see the blood, nope, he, nope. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it tracked him right to the afterlife. It sure did. Vex him like, oh man, poor soup. Like and like, they do say when you, you get emotional, your like reactions change. Oh, definitely, because you need to, like whether you do know it or not, you will not actually need Superman again. Because he's he can be a heavy header for the good guys. Well, knock they, him out. Yeah, they needed him literally the absolute next in the next five seconds. Yes, oh, without doubt, they did. Because um, thing gets bad. I mean, everybody okay, first. Moves, first, all it's of not them. it's not Dark Side is it's Barda is she's the one leading him, and there is everybody, uh, Mister Miracle, yep. um, uh, uh, Metron. You got. Um, Orion there at the front. They, Who's the one I, in the silver? That uh, that part I don't. That one, the one right in the very beginning, the very front here with the yeah. arrow. I, I that's the one I can't figure out. That's one of them that I can't figure out. But uh, I mean, the majority of everybody else is pretty recognizable. You got Granny Goodness. You got the Black Racer. I mean, there's all kinds of everybody else is pretty recognizable. I don't know who that is. That's probably I'm probably being dumb. It's I, and it should be somebody that I know, but completely blanking on it. Well, I let us was, know. I thought if you're if you're out there shouting into your into the void as you listen to this, uh, uh, hit us up on Twitter or send us a message, and then yeah, we'll be, let us know because I, we'll I feel be stupid blankest. for not knowing the guy that is at the forefront of the picture. Um, at us, <laughs> right? All right. So we got no. new gods, and then what happens, Anthony? So Thomas Wayne, he knows that he's uberly screwed. So he goes back in time, saves the Waynes, and now whenever something bad happens, he makes his own army for kind of future enemy. And his own army, something was pretty cool to see, um, but others was more superly interesting, actually. Um, for example, once that just like, the main one I see that's already actually in the back, but still, the first one I saw was a Green Lantern Flash. Say that one more time. If you zoom in, um, you can see someone in the Green Lantern costume with the ring, and the center is in the symbol of hope. It's actually the Speed Force. Oh, oh, yeah, right there. Who the hell is that? Right behind Cyborg, you're talking, right? Yeah, it seems as if the... Um, artists also want to like have a little bit of fun and create his own characters because later on we do see uh, like um like i guess that could be black adam but doesn't quite look like black adam yeah i mean it's maybe like dwayne the rock johnson it's close enough but not the black adam to you know to be black adam but i mean there are definitely some interesting character presentations here i mean look at superman you know um and then you've got you if you look down into the left you have wally west as kid flash you know uh there's so so there's so no but he's actually a reverse guys if you could go if you could use a speed force to travel through time and create your own super uh uh uh, friends who would you make into a superman now or, or or like a Justice League. Who would you make an Aquaman? What would you guys make? I think I would make Danny DeVito Superman. 
Oh, as people in real life. Because <laughs> like that would be chill. I, I think Danny DeVito would probably be a royal jerk if he was Superman. <sighs> well, I don't like. I've seen too many episodes of It's Always Sunny. To... But he's still Danny DeVito. He's <laughs> well, Danny DeVito, not not that guy. <laughs> the real the real DeVito. Look, he he made Matilda. He would know true That's power, true. true responsibility. That's going to John Mulaney. Also, he looks. He's still John even Mulaney. though he's Superman. <laughs> he still he still looks like Danny DeVito. John Mulaney would be good. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He wouldn't oh. take himself too seriously. What? I'm supposed to push this asteroid out of here. Oh <laughs> uh, no! I won't watch. The, I still won't watch the stand stand up. Damn. No. Uh, you know, who, this... you know, one person I, I I definitely know shouldn't get Superman powers is mm-hmm. Justin Rowland, the guy that invented Rick and Morty. I don't oh, think no. he. he <laughs> <laughs> I think he would go total supervillain. Well, yeah, him and um, Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon, yeah, Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, no, no, they're too. They, they've they've proved they're too irresponsible for that kind of power. <laughs> have you um Have you ever seen the uh, show from Quibi? based on Dan Herman and his old lady. No, I don't know from Quibi. It's called Dummy. If you ever get the chance to check it out, man, do it. Because it's, oh my god, it's hilarious. Donald Log plays uh, plays Dan Herman, and Anna Kendrick plays his girlfriend. And uh, his real life girlfriend wrote the story. It's it it involved. It's I don't I can't I don't want to have to censor all this stuff out later. But it, it just it it involves some adult themes and some adult things. And uh, it well, is it, all, it, it's a it's I like a him, but he he's probably seems like a hard man to live with. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's more along the lines of focusing on her. But in any case, it's hilarious. You've got to check it out. <laughs> All right, we'll so that, that, I suppose, is the uh, end for Flashpoint. What did you give it, Anthony? I gave it a... I enjoyed, like, the first part of the book and all, but then by the ending, it felt a little bit flat. I kind of wish it was just a oversized issue, just a few more pages. I think it would have done a lot better job. But I guess a 7 out of 10. Though, was this book, book supposed to come out um, before the last week book? Because uh, it says judge- up next, Wonder Woman, War of the Gods. Yeah, judging by that caption box, I'm going to say that there was definitely a, there was either a, an editor oopsie or this book got pushed back at one point. They didn't fix that last page. Yeah, because that threw me off. I'm like, wait, are we getting a sequel to that one? No, no, we're not getting any sequels. <laughs> Peace of the Gods. Right. All right, Reed, what did you give this one? Um, I thought, uh, you know, I, these, these, these were like alternate takes are always, you know, nice and fun, easy reads. Um, this one didn't grab me over much. I'd love to see a Thomas Wayne, but, um, it was fine. There, there's some cool art stuff. Um, but the kind of godlike nature of reverse flash after, you know, a couple of pages just came, seemed kind of perfunctory, um, Mm-hmm. Overall, it was fine. If you're into like Flash and Flashpoint, certainly uh, give this one a, a try. For but everyone else, you could probably skip it. I would say it's six point five out of ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna mirror that score. A six point five out of ten sounds just about right. It was, 
it was okay, but for a Flashpoint story twisted into a dark universe, we could have gotten so much better. Um, Reverse Flash, uh, not a lot happened with him that made any sense other than, I'm Reverse Flash, I can do anything. Um, I wish I had the, the power if I say if I could just say that I could do anything and then be able to do it, that would be pretty neat. I had no idea that was a part of the negative speed force. Um, so, uh, yeah, 6.5. The art was okay. It was fun. It, it was, it was all right, but 6.5 is, that's as high as I could go. It just, it was, it didn't hit home for me for sure. Something was definitely missing. Um, it seems like this one should have been in a omnibus kind of collection of like short, wacky, you know, story uh, like dark universe stories. But there, I, it wasn't enough changes or interesting stuff going on of, to, to justify a full volume for a issue for me. You're right. Um, it would read a whole lot better if all of these were collected into one book. I think I can think I could the last one, a Wonder Woman's War of the Gods probably would as well. Um, I did really like the uh, the Batman one though, with Azrael, the Nightfall one. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to go back and read that one, go ahead and do that. Uh, what do we have up next? We have Wonder Woman seven sixty eight. We sure do. Reed is going to walk us through that one. Wonder Woman 768 was priced at $3.99, written by Mariko Tamaki, with art by Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Tarragona, and Arif Prianto, with letters by Pat Brazil and cover by David Marquez. Okay, so this issue opens up uh, with Eddie Candy and Wonder Woman examining the crime scene left after the last outing. Uh, we saw an armored liar liar stab Max Lord mere moments after his incarceration. Uh, but unknown to her and extremely known to us, Lord is not, in fact, dead. Uh, he is hanging on by, quote, a threat. Uh, during the investigation... Um, it's mentioned that the blood graffiti would most likely have been done by someone with a real vendetta against him. Uh, Maxlor has no shortage of enemies, but the phrase King of Lies puts Diana in mind of just one person, his wayward daughter, Emma Lord. Um, liar, I'm, liar. Yeah, so not, liar. To, not to jump ahead, but... Just thinking about that that moment from the end of the last issue where she was, we had discussed and, and kind of speculated about that pink armor was this like kind of like X Men version like armors. It's psychokinetic. Apparently, it was just a weirdo delusion, which I was kind of bummed out about. Um, there's a little bit more to be bummed out about in this issue for me. Uh, but moving on with the plot, we got uh, Wonder Woman and uh, part ways to follow different avenues of investigation. Candy is going to look into Emma's past and her medical history while Wonder Woman is off to pay her a visit at the asylum where she was locked up. Um, the story shifts to Emma's perspective then as we see her plotting, uh, her escape and we see how she managed everything. She hasn't been taking her meds and her old faithful pal Melanie appears to her uh, and is uh, advising her on, on the avenue of escape. Now, I don't know if you eagle-eyed um, readers out there had noticed this as well, but when Melanie was her in his spectral form in her cell, he was blue. He was blue. 
He wasn't pink. He was blue, which is Max Lord's psychic Ooh. comic representation color, which I thought was pretty interesting. That uh, we f- is pretty interesting. Hey, real yes. quick, though, Reed, um, yeah. you mentioned that her armor that she had was that that we saw the 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 pinkish armor. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that that was all just delusion. Now, are would you say that there's a correlation that the armor that we see this night? Yeah. Armor that we see now, that's the pink armor that we saw in the last book. I think it was different representations of the same thing, yeah, because the, we see real-life people interacting with her, and then in her delusion world, they look like medieval stuff. So I was hoping that she would be like physically manifesting these things in others as well, but that doesn't seem to be the case. That The, the fantasy part seems, in my interpretation at least, to be solely in her mind. Mm-hmm. Where she's just she's uh, just kind of psychically suggesting, as is her um, father's kind of power as well. Um, we do find out, actually, though, that uh, her father had been giving her a, a bunch of drugs that no one could quite identify what they do or, in my opinion, what they prevent from happening. Um, or, or create like a blue bunny. Perhaps, perhaps, um, but she she hadn't been taking those those pills at the time. But maybe there's an underlying suggestion. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but uh, during all the course of that, um, Wonder Woman seems to always be two steps behind Emma as uh, she escapes, stabs her dad, and then also robs uh, Wonder Woman's apartment and gets her rabbit back. Uh, but they figured out a way to trap her instead of chase her, where they release a mass text blast. I'm guessing this is purloined uh, Max Lord tech or something. Um, but yeah, Sensei I think they basic... even mentioned that. Mm-hmm. They they we they mentioned we still have that thing where we can text everybody. So they text out a big thing tailor made for Emma that says the King of Lies still lives. So she rushes off straight to the hospital. Her and Wonder Woman begin a confrontation uh and she says that at this point she had been convinced to kill wonder woman as well so seems like a kind of two for one deal um so that's pretty much the whole episode or the or the whole issue um you might have seen deathstroke on the cover of this one uh he is technically in it but literally there to do absolutely nothing but push issues uh he appears uh, to kill Etta for opening this particular file. Um, I wouldn't call it quite a fight uh, occurs. They kind of, they it's spar a, for a bit a wee and then skirmish. stop because Deathstroke, you know, bloodthirsty uh, mercenary in it for the cash, um, won't kill someone, not necessarily a kid but because the file that he's there to kill them about is about a kid so obviously he can't kill her yeah he's i mean that that's pretty true to the character Deathstroke has some screwed up family relations man that's i mean i could see if it was like oh like you're gonna kill someone's kid or you're gonna like kill someone's mom but all she did was look at the file and it was like about a kid i don't know seemed like a bit of a stretch to me but it didn't really matter in the end because that doesn't really seem to matter to the overall plot um i'm i'm hoping maybe that he comes back later but to me this just kind of feels like 
uh, the way of this current run. Uh, a couple issues back, I mean, we saw there was a cover and had a whole bunch of different heroes on it, or not heroes, but a whole bunch of different characters that never were in the issue at all. Um, then we had, um, you know, plot things that start cliffhangers that immediately resolved in the next page. Um, and I was really looking forward, uh, to seeing, you know, a team up between Wonder Woman, possibly against Emma, but maybe that'll happen later down the line. Uh, I don't know. Um, for me, this one, there was nothing really that jumped out. The colors were nice. The cover was great uh, and quite eye-catching. But everything else yeah. was just kind of there. Um, nothing was bad, but nothing was exciting either. Uh, this one for me was a 5.5 out of 10. Ooh. I enjoy the art. Um, the story, I think, was it's better than what we have been getting from what Roman, but... It could be a lot better, honestly. The thing with the whole um, Lila, it seems as if Emma is a puppet, and what's the bunny's name? Um, Mulaney. Mulaney is the one that's pulling the strings. So I'm now more interested in the Mulaney that I am about Emma. Not a great look. Yeah, it says that's a bad thing. I'm like, <laughs> I should be interested in Emma about like her in general but now i'm not one bit i care less about her the thing about um deathstroke when she sees that deathstroke and just goes out the window with him how fast can she move because it literally move, looks as mm-hmm. if she's moving very, like the flash speed i yeah i, I wonder I, that... woman can move incredibly fast she can't, move, she can't move flash speed, no, but she could. I mean, that's not the first time we've ever seen Wonder Woman running that fast. I that's, imagine I she mean, could we've seen it even in the movies, she's depicted out running, you know, keeping pace with cars. That's she, he's just a regular dude, though. So that, that makes sense that it would it would seem like that to him, perhaps. The perhaps. whole thing with Dashrug, it just feels like as if the writer had no clue what to. Mm-hmm. At, like how to add to, to the story, so she just add in Deathstroke to fill in the pace. It just feels like a, this was just like the filler section of the issue. Um, so I gotta give this a uh, five out of ten. I could easily go with a seven, but no higher than that. Just only with the whole the filler part with the whole Deathstroke. It was wasted. It was awful. It could be done a lot better. And at this point, I don't care about Emma. I should, but I don't. I care about a bunny, which I don't want to. But that's the way it makes. That's the way that the story is telling me that the Mulaney is the key, and he's okay. I guess I can't figure out who the big bad guy here is ultimately going to end up being. Are we going to deal with Max Lord? Is he going to end up being the big bad guy? Is it Emma? Uh, or it, will the, will it be the two of them that together will one take out the other i i can't figure out where the bad guy direction is going and uh the this art team that was on here um sandoval tarragon and prianto i love their work i, I do they're great they're awesome artists i don't like what they did in here though mm-hmm. i don't i don't like what they did in here really at all um, the cover is is the nicest 
part of it and they didn't do that part um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm just saying man um that said uh the the little traits that are annoying anthony about emma stone have got me a little intrigued okay so this isn't just some bunny that she's talking about or her imagination obviously there's something going on there or else why would it be depicted a different color Mm-hmm. so now i'm now i'm intrigued now i'm like okay let's see where this goes and yeah is it a floating bunny I, yes but it, it worked it did its job it pulled me into the story and that's ultimately where it's at i'm not going too high with it though because it still feels a little on the weak side and again the art team here just did not do it for me so this one gets a six out of ten that's but because like it's the bun because how we said actually the color is more of Maxwell Lord's um color instead of pink like Emma. That's why I'm also more interested in the bunny than Emma because I'm like, oh, why is this bunny in different color now? Because like she doesn't have much to do with that. Feels if more to do with a bunny than her. Yeah, it's liar liar just doesn't feel like a strong character to me. Not not no. not not individually or as a person, but just as a character, seems weak. I'll leave you though with one last clue on this one though. Um, it 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 does say in the very first opening uh, couple of panels that Max was stabbed in the same place that Wonder Woman stabbed herself, and that only someone with knowledge of the fight would know of that. So I don't know. No, Emma Emma was there though. I thought that was just a trick. Was she actually there? No, because she was locked up at the time. Oh, was she? I thought she yeah, was actually was, there, the and they psychic. got locked up later. Uh-uh. I think that um, I I thought that Max had it was like a trick because it was Wonder Woman choking herself the whole time. Uh, well, well, I totally right out that. there. I thought it went from Emma Stone grabbing or Emma Stone, Jesus, Emma Lord <laughs> grabbing mm-hmm. her. To was, to then to yeah. then Wonder Woman grabbing her, but it was all but in her head. Okay, I believe yeah, it was all in her head. head. All right, well, I totally missed that part. So, so is, Emma, that's that's my thought. I think it's was Max Emma Stone, Stone ever part of this at all? Emma Stone? No. Or, did I just do that again? Was yeah. Emma Lord? <laughs> was she Emma Lord a part, part of this, this at all? No, I don't be think a lot so. Better if Emma Stone was I don't it. think so. But mm-hmm. that does raise the question how would you know where his ab seems like a weird coincidence to draw attention to. It does. Um So that is it for uh for Wonder Woman 768. And uh we are going to take a break. We will be right back after these messages. Stick around. And we're back, going straight back into the books. We're going to start off with Flash number 767. This is Endless Winter Part 2, priced at $3.99, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, with art by Clayton Henry and Marcelo Malo for the main story, and Marco Santucci and Arif Prianto for the flashback, with letters by Steve Wands for the main story, and a larger world studio's Troy Petiri for the flashback. Cover was done by Clayton Henry and Marcelo Malo. Anthony. Walk us through the mercy of Black Adam. No, I'm not gonna lie, no, but like part one, I really enjoy with the felt felt like one book to read with the artwork, with the whole um, storytelling 
in general. Part two, let's dive in because I want to know. Hopefully, I find out more about this um, Just League 10 AC team. That's one thing I did not like because we don't get much. They are in the beginning, though, because um, we do see them having a little bit of interaction. We see tension between the team of Swamp Thing, Black Adam, the Viking Prince, and Hippolyta. Um, which, if, if you can fight between your brothers, you can fight alongside them. Especially when... Um, <laughs> that's one thing that uh, football coach told me when I was younger. I always, to this day, believe that's true. You know, if you can fight with somebody... Good damn well, Shook, you can fight alongside them into a battle. And battle will be damned because they're going to be one and against what we're going to assume is going to be from the Frost King. Oh. Uh, I had an interesting thought um, while I was reading this flashback that got me really excited for the rest of this arc. This uh, swamp thing mm-hmm. is not Alec Holland. He ha- does not exist yet. Yeah. So who is this person? Inhab- who is like the, the archetype here? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Oh, so like, well, because even before when um, part one, one he the Viking does see uh, heroes, and he only sees three of the four of this team in the illusion. He doesn't see Swamp Thing. So makes me why Swamp Thing not there? So hopefully in the future issue we find out more about just the Swamp Thing in general. Yeah. Does he have a um? He's the Avatar of the Green. Shot? I'm sure that's about it. Does he have a what? A one shot because like Black Adam has a one shot. Does he have a one shot too? For endless winter. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Do, do they? Oh, do the, does this team? Like, no, or the, oh, I guess that'll of. just it, it's just going to be like this. Their whole arc is uh, intermixed through the rest of the books and these right. little like flashbacks. Yep. Okay. Exactly. I know that Teen Titans they have one next week. Yep. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just does have one, but he does not. That's one thing. Really. Swamp Thing overall is just an underrated character. To give him just make a brand new type Swamp Thing, that would definitely would like drive some new fans and old fans to that book. We need some more info. Hey, yeah, just you don't have to hold your breath, but just feel better knowing that there's a ten issue series coming out with Swamp Thing from Ram V. Oh, yes, yeah, so oh, oh, Future State was a post-Future State. I know, right? It is. After Future State. Okay, okay. It's only that, two, two months. Yeah. There's some strange books to come out, like, post-Future State. Yeah, I don't care. Like, oh. I'll, 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 if, if Ram V is writing a, a, a dark DC book, I'm reading it. Ram V should have total editorial control over all of all things magic in DC. He, he, I am completely convinced that he could handle that entire department and have people right underneath him. That would be awesome. Well, we had a um, the we had the one on commerce line. We should have like a dark line where like we get like a a Jao D team. We get like a Dead Man. We get Zatanna book, Swamp Thing. We get other like dark characters and their own. Blue Devil, Blue Devil, and Kid. Let's bring the, the Devils back. It would be like, it would bring be, like Raven. Like right. have a yeah, like a main Sierra. And, then, and then just put Ram V with editorial control over all of the titles, so he mm-hmm. can. <laughs> 
and and let you know let other people have some fun. But I think it would be like, great, man. I would. I can't wait. They don't to read even it. need to be. Yeah, they don't need to be ongoing. They can just be even also like a mini series. There you go. Mini magazine. Like honestly, you don't need to be ongoing. So that's one thing that Marvel does better than DC is like they have they have at least have a book for you. It may be just be one book or two books, but at least they have one book that you'll get you get calls into because they push out the mini series like crazy. DC they need to stop pushing out the mini series. I, th- I think DC because I, I do I do agree the the Marvel strategy of just throwing a bunch a whole bunch uh, a whole bunch of spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks you know uh, just really yeah. get, just get a little loose with those timelines baby so I can get my sideways book book say that just get a little loose with those timelines you're killing me Reed you're killing me <laughs> <laughs> who cares about continuity. Oh my God, he's trying. DC, DC doesn't. Oh, they just because they, they are now saying that they're gonna um that the virus can just have some free roam. That that be loose kind of way. Like, guys, guys here's the thing to think about: endless winter. Okay, so what mm-hmm. they're proposing in this in in this kind of we'll, we'll get to it more often that this is, is a precursor. The precursor would be three years of winter. Uh, that precedes uh, the Ragnarok, as it were. So, uh, so Ragnarok after the end of the a Ragnarok cycle. So, if we're starting a Ragnarok cycle, is a total rebirth and renewal. So maybe that'll get you to future state. The whole world ends after the endless winter to restart with a right. few humans well, yeah. who are left. They pretty much said that death metal leads into endless winter, but you don't have to read death metal. You can just pick up endless winter. Mm-hmm. And that endless winter leads into future state, but you don't have to read endless winter. You can just start with future state. Yeah, they're going to wipe they're going to wipe all the like continuity, I think at the end of endless yeah. winter. But uh they're changing up some things with uh, some of the titles after future state. Some of them are gonna be staying the same, some of them are gonna be making drastic changes. <sighs> like Mariko Ta- like Mariko Tamaki on um, Detective Comics. Like Mariko Tamaki on Detective Comics. Uh, who's the other one that- uh Brian Michael Bendis and Riley Rosmo taking the Legion of Superheroes even further in the future during future state and then after future state keeping them there. Whatever. Because he's going to kill off half of the Legion. It's gonna be weird. It's but then he's weird. going to introduce a whole new other team, the Legion of teams. Substitute Superheroes. You know, me, me and Michael Bendis have like a, a similar uh, vice where when I'm doing songs with my band, we'll learn a new song. And as soon as we get it down, even if by, by the time we're getting almost close to like having it perfected, I've already want to do three more songs. And that's exactly what he is. He just <laughs> wants to keep starting teams and teams and teams and teams. Here's a new guy. Here's some new characters, baby. Sprinkle them in. He, he's got that spaghetti it, it, it's a spaghetti, but a little bit too much. All right, so here's the thing. If if that's the role that he's going to have in a comic book company, then you take the pencil away from him, and you give him a marker, and he writes that shit down <laughs> on a dry erase board. And then other writers who can flesh out people and give us good stories take that shit he wrote yeah, down and fine. put them into comic books. He's an idea man. Just just set him in a room and just like every day, like – Michael, what's what's the thing? Like, uh, Superman, uh, but but real small, real tiny. 
like just like a tiny small. Superman. Just real, real small. Like, okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like, hey, man, one of, one hey, man, hey, man, you know how like Brainiac is always trying to shrink cities and take them away, and the super what family if? is always trying to stop them. What if? What if? What if Brainiac yeah. shows up? Well, and instead of escapes. Brainiac shrinking the city, what if like Superman did, man? Uh, why do uh, that? I feel like that was the actual conversation that happened in DC when they were describing what was going to happen in Superman Metropolis. That's future state. That's the whole storyline. Jonathan Kent is going to shrink Metropolis and oh, hide yeah. it away in the Fortress of honey, Solitude. I, honey, I shrunk the Metropolis. Right? <laughs> and I hit it. Uh, you know, he's Brainiac. He knows everything, but what if he Brainiac... doesn't know where the Fortress of Solitude here's, is. Here's my pitch. What if Brainiac but stupid? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Benis has TM, 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 TM. I'll take my money now. Thank you. <laughs> That's called... All right. No, read. That's called Brainiac Five, written by Brian Michael Bennis. We've seen that in action comics. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he, he, holds the he, he he dry helps the Daily Planet. That's exactly. <laughs> We've seen that. Oh God. Uh. Okay. Oh yeah, back to the endless moment. <laughs> yeah, back to the endless moment. Now that I'm done throwing cold. <laughs> the endless tangent. Yes. Ooh. Now we head to the present as we look around the world, and the earth is covered in snow as our heroes try to get to the bottom of this. Which I do love this part because it does show how it does like show the gravity of the threat. It's not just like part of the U.S. that destroyed, not part of one city, two cities. This is all around the world, and we do actually see a few. Well, we do see a cameo of actually. Superman, Superman of China, which I was a bit surprised to um, see, because I feel as if ever since his book got canceled, we've seen him like maybe once in that, never seen him again. Yeah, I, I, it was a surprise to see him there too, but I don't have any problem with it. I mean, you know, he he got a, oh, yeah, he got a title drop. You know, I mean, shit. If people people who had books canceled disappeared from the universe, I mean, all my favorite characters would be gone just about. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, I feel like that's what DC does quite a bit. It's like once a character book, once a character's book gets canceled, we never talk about them ever again. For example, Superwoman. We haven't seen her since um, latest um, Super No Action Comics story arc. I'm like, okay, where's she been? Well, she's gonna be Kara Zor El pretty soon. And I gotta say, no, I like the, the costume. Uh, Lana Lane one. Yeah, the Lana Lang one, that one's going to... I think that one's going away, but... We'll have a new one soon. Now, after seeing the world being in a total chaos, we do see um, Black Adam giving a speech to the UN, which this speech felt a little bit strange. For some reason, it just felt as if, like... Like, he knew... Like, it was just odd how that was there. I suppose if it, this was like a bit forced only to have Barry like um, talking, hey, what's up? Trying to like investigate. Which again, that also felt a little bit weird because I didn't think that like the Justice League were checking up on Black Adam. 
Is that like a new thing? Have how close have Black Adam been with the Justice League team? I guess if he's chill with the UN, he'd probably chill with the with the Justice League as well. I guess it was just so strange how like it's like, hey Flash, can you ch- check up on him? Oh yeah, sure, you got sure. It seems as if he, basically you said like a friend. Like basically, they have a "don't step on my feet and I won't kick your ass" kind of agreement. Black Adam, I mean, he's he's tough. He's tougher than Shazam. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. which makes him, you know, just as strong as Superman. He he can mess up a lot of people in no time flat. So if he if he gets mad, you know, the Justice League says, "Okay, you have Kandak. We'll give you that." Now. Um, Flash's way to actually um, checking out on Black Adam. Flash, like, he comes, like, he does get affected by the cold, which, again, this does show you how, like, shit has gone real, where this is affecting Barry. Like, he, like, he becomes powerless, especially when we face against some monsters, um, which I did enjoy this part because it makes, it makes a threat that even worse than what we just assumed. But, Thankfully, we have some unexpected help is given from a couple of characters that we saw last issue. It has been a long time since we were shown the Flash getting tired, hasn't it? Hmm. It's been a long time, and I mean that that used to be a solid part of the Flash. Like you, you knew that that's when he was giving it all was when he was starting to slow down and feeling tired and sluggish and stuff. It's been a long time since we've seen that actually happen. I yeah. can appreciate that. It definitely makes like like if this is dealing with you, I'm wondering what the other heroes are dealing with, like Cyborg, Green Lantern, like how how they deal with all this stuff as well. Now, once Barry wakes up, he does have this other strange interaction between Flash and Black Adam. Like the way that Black Adam is rent, because he knows what's going on, but he doesn't want to help. Like he, but he can assist Barry just in one way. Just with giving back like a little bit of a power boost, but he doesn't tell. It's just the way that his he's drawn and he's run is like, I know what's happening. I'm just not gonna say. That's the appeal that I I got, which is a bit only because this is what a nine part story. How many uh, issues? This uh, I thought it was twelve or something. Twelve. So what about a six of the way there? It just it doesn't seem like we should. Seems like we should be a lot farther than what we are, because he does give uh, Flash his um pa- a boost by with his lightning, which was pretty cool. Because I don't think we've seen that before. Um, hopefully we see that more with Shazam, giving Barry a help here and there. But that's all we get in, in this issue, which we, which like. Okay, what did we learn? Nothing. It had great art, but again, we're six of the way there. At least progress the story. Have Black Adam tell Flash something. Well, we see that um, Barry likes a uh, a bit of free now and then. Get some charged up. And <sighs> for the record, it is uh, nine titles that it's going to go. Nine across. titles. Yeah. Gosh, make it, don't don't ever believe me. I just make shit up. <laughs> so even so, we're less than a six away there. It's well, 
by by the end of uh, by the end of the next issue that we resolve, we'll be a third of the way done because that'll be part three. There's nine parts, so let me get some answers there. We we, we do get some. So like on the site, I gave a seven out of ten, but after going over this all, I cannot give this anything higher than a five out of ten. I enjoy the R. Um, I like of I like how we just see how we see Barry get taken down. We see how real the threat is, but we don't actually learn anything new. Nor do the characters. This honestly, um, some of the digital um, the digital only issues are like about twelve pages. Um, we get only a half of a story. That's all. I feel like that's all we got here. We're just half. I feel as if I need more. Yep. I can see that. Um, I'm I'm with the same mind in you there that it, this does seem the the flash part of this story does kind of feel like uh, half of a story, and it's funny because I when I first read through this I thought there was a ton more of the flashback stuff than there actually was, and I'm looking now it's 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 three pages in a splash, yeah, and I thought nothing. it was. A, a half a book. I got so much more out of that part of the, this issue than I did the rest. Um, so it actually gave a, a full point. I would say the flash part is a, a five, but this book overall gets a six because I'm I'm really interested in um, the Endless Winter flashback 10th century team. The flashbacks are what really sell the book for me too, man. Um, the, the rest of the art the rest of the art looks good. It doesn't look as good as the flashback stuff. No, I love the it, flashback that... stuff. Yeah, that that stuff looks amazing. Oh yeah. Um, it had like this... a, it felt like a just like dark type I'm... feel with the art. Yeah, a little bit like a little thicker Americana style Justice League dark style of what we've seen over there. Um, the story in the flashbacks has got me interested because I don't know much. We're getting the origin story of the Frost King coming up. Eventually we'll get more details, hopefully, of the heroes and uh, their battle over the course of the next seven issues that we've got left to review. But um, So I guess the lack of details is why I'm so curious on that end. But the main story, it just feels really bland. I'm not into it. Um, I'm going to continue to read it to see where it goes, but it just, it kind of falls flat on its face. Of the two Endless Winter issues that we did review this week, I did like this one more. Um, but it's just, it's just not pulling my chain for me, man. This one I give a six out of ten. <laughs> it's not pulling its chain. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Was that inappropriate? Lord, I, I can't. I can't tell anymore. I can't either. Um, Reed, did you give him a score for this? No, maybe, maybe I thought I did. Did I not? I gave it a six, like because it's a five for the flash part and a oh, one oh, for the yep, other part. Yep, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, Anthony, where are you at with you with the flash again? Five out of ten. Five out of ten. All right. Fair. Yeah. So I, I guess I, six out of ten. Um, 
that works for me. And we are going to go over to part three for Endless Winter. Superman Endless Winter Special, number one. Uh, my first problem with this. Why is the Superman issue considered a special? And that's in the official title. Why is that one considered a special, but the one in Flash is not? Well, it's even next week because Teen Titans is called Teen Titans and this went to special. I don't understand. It's I wonder what makes too. it a special. Maybe, uh, maybe it's, that's what we're covering. Do you know? I think it's because if people see it was by Superman, what, like two, I mean, 29 or so, they'll say, oh, shit, Bennis is doing this book. Let's not buy this book. You think it was done to differentiate from, <laughs> from the creative teams? It's not me. No, it's, salty, it's totally possible I, I because there's a lot of people true. that don't like the creative team behind Teen Titans right now. So if what? they if they are doing that, then that would make sense. I could see that. Especially because this one does seem devoid of the ongoing stuff that's going on in Superman right now in action comics. So, it you definitely know, this, does. this is a departure. So maybe that I'm guessing that's probably why you get that special. But um, so that's where we're at. We're going to go ahead and dive into it now. Up, up and away, everybody. Endless Winter Special Number <laughs> 1 with Superman, priced at $3.99, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, with art by Phil Hester, Andy Parks, and Hi-Fi for the main story with Santucci, Marco Santucci, and Arif Prianto taking care of that flashback for us. Letters by Dave Sharp in the main story and a larger world's Tory Pateri for the flashback and Francis Manipul drew that cover here we are in the 19th century arctic circle greenland a father and son are fishing when a polar bear attacks them putting the son in danger the father enraged to protect his son somehow becomes one with the elements and ice comes forth from the father's hands and after a time the frost king is born uh that was that will be later become known as uh, cryokinesis. Yes, cryokinesis. <laughs> they they did not have a word for it, of course, back then. <sighs> nobody calls it that now. Jeez, no, nobody calls it that now. But <laughs> in present day Metropolis, where in no present one's... day Metropolis, they will call this power ice powers. Yeah, ice, ice powers. powers. He's got yep. he freezes stuff. Yep. The first major ice person is going to be named Ice Man. <laughs> <laughs> In in present-day Metropolis, trapped in the Daily Planet, a few staffers led by Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen attempt to make a move to the nearby hospital where there is power, and that is where they are attacked by some of the ice giants. Lois is there fighting them off uh, with a shotgun, and or a gun in any case, and uh, that's when Superman arrives to try and help deal with the threat. He does, but uh, she kind of has a handle and lets, her, lets him know that. After a brief conversation that ends with an offer to relocate her to the Fortress of Solitude and a kiss, she sends him on his way to help others, insisting that she is fine and she's got a responsibility too. That's what yeah, she's she, going to do. She was not fine. There's a million, billion ice monsters. Uh, right. And she uh, had a flare. Yeah. <laughs> that she, she was not fine. I love her flex, but she was not fine. Mm -hmm. They're all about to be eaten. Right. Now, Superman is shown in various parts of the world, saving people and fighting off the never-ending horde of ice giants. As the number of ice giants continues to multiply and eventually overwhelms Superman, 
he just flies out of the fight and into space and says, I can't do this anymore. See ya. <laughs> Deuces, I've had enough. That's cold. I I can't feel my nipples. I, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, he decides to check in on his parents in Smallville and is surprised to see ice giants there as well, but he doesn't need to worry because Crypto is there protecting his parents. After a home-cooked meal and a pep talk from Mom Pop, Superman once again go out to do what he can he can to save the world. Uh, meanwhile, in Gotham at Sag Industries, Sebastian Stag learns that it is indeed Kryptonian crystals mixed in that ice lab that he retrieved. There's more than that, though. Three beings are trapped inside the ice, and they're still alive. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. This that is the only real thing that I got out of this issue whatsoever um i didn't enjoy the art in the main story in the flashback again it's the same team that took care of the last flashback sequence Mm -hmm. and their art is consistently good that said the main story again kind of falls flat on its face for me and i didn't enjoy it much at all i saw a lot of atypical behavior for superman stuff that i'm not used to seeing i mean since when does superman just fly up up and out of a fight i mean he just uh he if he gets his butt kicked and he needs to go recharge that has happened under the direst of circumstances but he never just says i'm done i mean that's not superman superman would fight until he couldn't fight anymore yeah but just the endless winter it's right in the title he knows and it was the endless odd moments too i mean the whole thing like going back with going back to lois where um she obviously was not okay but you know it was made to seem like she was and that she didn't need him and that mom pa can't something felt really odd there where it was like oh you know this is it's everything is it felt a little stepford to me if you know what i mean it just it, it it was really weird. Um, like everything, they no one no one was acting like the end of the world was was like happening. Like Earth wasn't completely in a brand new ice age. Everything was a brand new ice age with living ice monsters that tried to attack anything that moved. I mean, nobody was acting like that whatsoever. It just it felt it felt off to me. I didn't enjoy it much. Um, it was almost a chore to get through, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm giving this one. If if honestly, guys, if it wasn't for the flashback sequence part of this, where we got to see that little origin story of the Frost King, this score would be much lower. But I'm giving this a five out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Where were you at with this, Anthony? Um, I'd be I'm the opposite. Um, I'm giving this one an eight out of ten. Holy cow! You got I to explain that this. one. It could be because I have still the taste of Bendis in my mouth from his Superman action comic books. That it just <laughs> now you say that people aren't worried because it's the end of the world. However. They do this on like a weekly basis, okay? I and mean, one, yeah, to a yeah. boy, but also, I mean, when your husband and son is Superman, I feel as if deep down they do have some sort of thing, you know, he's gonna come for me, like he always comes like 9,000 times in the past. It is so cold, on it, it is so cold 
right now in this Endless Winter that the two kisses mm. that we saw in the two Endless Winter issues sure. would have no ripped way. lips off. They would they have been... 15 minutes. 15 minutes and you're dead. Five minutes and you're unconscious. And they're yeah. smooching in the snow. Get out they, of here. No, they would have had their faces stuck together like instantaneously. It would not have happened. Lois wouldn't have a mouth anymore. No. Neither would Iris. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now we're going to head cannon Superman using his heat beams to warm up the mouth. That's the head cannon. Head cannon is he uses heat beams to warm up the mouth. That's a nice warm Bruh. kiss. He lays Bruh. in his lips, baby. Head cannon don't count, dude. He, <laughs> you he can't. his lips. He lasered his lips. Plus, the art was great, and I didn't hate Jimmy. To, if I didn't, if For I all the two seconds he was there, oh, that's okay. better than we get at Venice. So if I we didn't shoot, why I don't hate Jim? Like good for you, Vida. I don't hate Jim this time. That <laughs> that's a really low bar, bro. <laughs> hey, don't blame me. Blame um Bendis. Okay, he makes him too stupid. Yeah. I do also love how we do get crypto. Um, we haven't got crypto in a long time, so it's always great to see. This felt more like a Superman issue where we, we had his family, we had Ma, Pa, Crypto, his other dog. I mean, Lois. Um, it was just a great book. Plus, we also got a little bit of backstory on the Frost King itself, which I can't say the same for the Flash issue because Flash issue, nothing happened. We learned nothing at all. So right now we're a third of the way done. So at least we learn something about the. Uh, Frost King and the cliffhanger. I'm very had me interested to reading more. I can't say the same with the the Flash issue. I'm and betting that one of these is either Swamp Thing from the past or Viking Prince. Hmm. Only because like it can't be it can't be just Nova buddies. Uh, I'm okay. So it's I. It would be a tough sell to me that it would be a Swamp Thing because we still have remnants of Swamp Thing existing in the other land. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's if one of them is Viking Prince, that would be something. Now, it can't that. be Hippolyta. Uh-uh. It can't, no, yeah. be, it can't be her because she's out. Um, Swamp Thing. Maybe the, maybe the, like, yeah, because like. It could be. It can't be Black Adam. But well, even it's, it's, even it's, then, if it's one, I mean, like then still, who would the other people be? That's that's the most intriguing part of this whole thing. I don't really care so much about the the weird Kryptonian crystals or whatever that Stag is uh, mining. I the, the frozen people is cool. I, it's probably Viking Prince is definitely one of them, and I'm guessing um, maybe someone else that we're gonna we're gonna come across later. Uh but this one, uh, see, we, we did get some more backstory and we learned a little bit more. I'm kind of bummed out to find out that the Frost King is just like a Viking Age superhero, like like a metahuman. That's like his whole thing. It's not some sort of mythological creature or anything. It's just some guy went nuts. Yeah, some um, ancient warrior that's impervious to ancient weapons. Yeah, I guess. So, maybe... does that mean that if you stab him with a regular, just modern pocket knife, you can mess him up? Well, I guess we'll. Because his power set we'll literally says impervious to ancient weapons. Yeah. Um. It... So modern ones would kill him. 
Yeah, I'm interested to see where they go. I, I, I the like you said, the art was pretty fun in that. Um, the Superman stuff, I don't really give a snoot. Um, but uh, yeah, so this one, this one for me, it, it doesn't quite reach the same heights uh, uh, as the last one. In this one, I don't really care about the Frost King. I just want more of like the heroes in this one. I want, I want to see what they're up to, not why the frost king is like icy because uh, especially because it's such a boring story like his 1k got that okay that's not really compelling to me that's just rote um so this one this one's a five five out of ten for me oh man savage y'all yeah. <laughs> well okay yeah, you know what honestly i think your score went a little high just because it felt nice not to not to read bendis superman yeah um, <laughs> totally superman that she like yeah well, i mean good so job I, andy on that note why don't we step away from the capes for just a minute and let reed walk us through sweet turn sweet tooth the return <laughs> number two that's a lot of teeth Mm-hmm. Written, uh, priced at three ninety nine, written and covered by Jeff Lemire with art by Jeff Lemire and Jose Villarubia, and letters by Steve Wands. When last we left our behorned buddy, uh, he had just discovered uh, that his lifelong companions, Nanny One and Nanny Two O and father had been lying to him his entire life. He had been convinced that he was the last person alive and the last hybrid to have survived a great plague that ravaged the old world. The boy was increasingly convinced that there was more to life than what was set uh, in place uh, for him, so he decided to hatch a plan and escape. Um, At the very end of the last... uh, Excuse me. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, I'm going to take another take on that. So if you could mark this one, thank you. Uh... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You better never stop doing that, dude. <laughs> yeah, leave that in. You should leave that in. You should cut out You should cut out the whoops and oops, but then leave in the funny bit. Yeah, um, sure. Jimmy, so please mark that, <laughs> production staff. Um, so at the very end of the last issue, he um, puts some plan to escape. And does, in fact, manage it. So he escapes and finds a whole new settlement. He's not the last person. There's tons of people down here. And he sees um, a person that had only previously he had seen in his dreams, the big man, Jeopard. Now, when this issue starts, they have a brief interaction. And uh, our hero, when he reaches out to touch Jeopard, it turns out it was in fact, just a vision, a memory of a life that was lived. And um, in the last issue, we had kind of talked about the plot, and I went through and I have since read. And um, in that spread image, we see uh, sweet the Sweet Tooth and all of the images around. That's the plot points of you know the past run of Sweet Tooth, the original, the non-return Sweet Tooth. All of the different panels here are are just basically like summarizing the plot points of the previous run. That's kind of cool, man. Yes, yes. There's a lot of so that there's the character he mentions later, um, uh, Wendy, and so it kind of details his, his previous journey. So I believe in that moment, what is happening is that he is coming 
kind of experiencing maybe a past life or remembering repressed memories, something along that nature, because he starts to remember things that had come to him, like his his name and, um, you know, some of the things that may or may not have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that uh, is not just and memory is the people that were chasing him a group of masked militiamen and some uh, pretty cool little tentacle robots um gus manages to escape by sneaking through a tiny hole in a wall and uh as soon as he climbs out he discovers a girl who is basically as surprised to see him as he is to see her uh she she seems to know what a hybrid is, and everyone else believes them to be dead, except for apparently this neighborhood that she lives in, and, uh, her mother and this gang of revolutionaries who are uh, seemingly fighting back against father and the authority. Um, it's not long, though, before Penny and Gus are recaptured by father and the rest of what apparently is the government. We get to see a cool scene of Father in his goop tank, um, I guess regenerating in some sort of healing liquid. And he's a gross-looking dude, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah. Also, the we get a glimpse of some of the government official, a commissioner of some kind, comes and defers to Father, so it seems Father is in control, basically, of uh, of the whole works. Uh, we also find out that father has the injections father had been giving uh, Gus are not a treatment for him, but a poison for the hybrids that live in the world above. And he says, I'm going to do to them what they did to us. Which is interesting because that is something that isn't really talked about in the as not from the first run. So I believe that's something that takes place between the last and this, uh, because we find it seems that the uh, or above is it, world is it possible that it's total bullcrap? Is it possible that they never really did anything to the humans? Well, that that I think something happened to the humans for sure. They they were dying off and weren't being able to reproduce, and then these hybrids started appearing. So something happened, whether it was the hybrid's fault, um, who knows? I think it's kind of a a mutant situation. Are they a next step of evolution or what? Right, Uh, right. We do get a glimpse that there is more hybrids left than Gus at the very end where a a hybrid elephant man appears, uh, much scarred and wearing a jumpsuit, as the resistance and also father and his militia both decide now is the time to act. Um, so the mystery is really about in this leading, latest outing of Sweet Tooth and a uh, tantalizing trail of clues uh, draws deeper into Lamar's uh, narrative web. Uh, he deals out bits of lore with perfect pacing of a born storyteller. Uh, the haunting art style lends a real and tangible feel to the dystopian underground world. Um, the action is really starting to pick up and the story is, uh, at the end of this issue, I'm really excited to see what could possibly be about to happen next. Uh, th- that final tease with that elephant man, uh, I am, I almost yelled in my house, just sitting, reading this comic to see that cool looking <laughs> dude. Uh, this one's an 8.75 out of 10. Oh, Wow. 
I probably won't be that high. Uh, I'm going with a um, 7.5 out of 10. Um, Drones are the story keeps me going. They do feel a lot in this issue, which, you know what, I'm surprised because most issues nowadays, you don't get this much information in a one in a issue. It, is this a um, five-part story or three? How many issues are we getting for this? I haven't looked into that yet, but I could probably... Oh, wait, six, it says, on yeah. the front um, cover. Wow, oh, two of... Because this does feel like um, this is like two of three. So I'm very curious to see what the other four issues will be about. Um, it, The ending, that's always a main thing for me. If the ending can have me wanting more, they did a great job. And that's what they did. When I saw that ending picture, I'm like, go on... That big boy, that big boy's got some things to say, or maybe not, or do I don't know. I love him though. He's he's my favorite. Whatever it is, it's really close to that nightmare I used to have about that pig-headed dude that no one else ever cemented that they've had a nightmare about. So I don't know if he's just after me or what, but <laughs> don't <laughs> but tell one... me anymore. I don't want to be cursed with this man. <laughs> but um. So it hit a note, man. I mean, that was some that was some great art choices all the way throughout the symbology behind it, um, like the little archaic figures that represent the the uh, the hybrids and that uh, the, the elephant guy in the uh, in the in the jumpsuit there. Um, the whole thing has got me itching to find out what happens. Anthony's right. It feels as though if this was a cape story, we'd be getting the end of it in the next issue, which means that there's a whole lot more story and there's a whole lot more to explore over the course of the next four issues. And I can't wait to get to it, man. I give this one an eight out of 10. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, this this is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the black label um, kind of brand really branching out into really diverse stories. There's, you Me know, too. you've got Catwoman, you've got, you know, uh, we've got another Hellblazer coming up pretty soon. Um, and then you've got stuff like this. Uh, it, it's a really diverse kind of brand. And I, I'm looking forward to getting some more out of it. Me too. And speaking of getting some more out of it, the next issue we're going to review is Dark Knight's Death Metal, the last stories of the DC Universe, where we get the very last moments of some of the most popular characters in all of the DC Universe. Priced at $8.99, with art and story by various talents, the cover was done by Tula Lote and D. Kniff. This death metal tie-in issue gives us readers exactly what the title says, The Last Stories of the DC Multiverse. This anthology book collects the last moments of some of the most recognizable characters in the DC universe, written and drawn by quite the pool of creative teams. Though not really discussed individually, it should be mentioned that every art team really came through here. Every story looked great, just the right looks for each and every story, and it was done very well. The first story we get to take a look at is The Titans in the Story Together, written by Joshua Williamson, James Tynan IV, and Scott Snyder, with art by Travis Moore and Tamara Bonvillain, and letters by Darren Bennett, 
Anthony, why don't you walk us through the Titans together? Now, this book, this story, um, it, it got cut in half. This was the first and the last story in this book and all. The first half, it literally nothing very happens, honestly. So we just see Donna Troy on the beach, Beast Boy um, trying to comfort her. And next, you know, we get, like, the next page, we get a whole two page, three, three page, no, I'm sorry, two pages of Titans, whether past, present, um, it was pretty cool to see all of the ones who, whether they're talking in continuity or not, but hey, you know what, DC, so who cares about continuity, because they don't. You guys have got to stop saying that around me, man. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> it was really cool to see the Titans all together. All the different all team the ups. different team ups, man. It, it was, but it's like technically, like why, why is Cyborg here? Because technically, he was never a Titan in this continuity. Well, he went right through the big leagues in New Fifty Two. But you see, the the cyborg that's there is a different kind of cyborg than we currently have. So that's from this a different from continuity. Other, He's yeah, it's a different multiverse. These are these are people from all kinds of different. I think we I think we've got two or three different Donna Troys walking around at this point. No, no, no. Uh, it just shows you like the time because they're always with um Beast Boy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because after um for a second that threw me off. Oh no! Wait, that's just them moving through the progression of the whole scene. I think yeah, it's just showing off their different looks. Yeah. Um. It was yeah, it was pretty cool. Like we see like our um present King Titans with um Roundhouse, Crush, Damien, all that gang. Also, the president of the Titans with Natasha, Raven, Kyle Rayner. We get even the Jeff John the best run we've ever had done with Jeff Johns back in 2003 we've had we get all these interactions with the all of the runs we even get the awful run in New 52 <laughs> but as I said before in the deck of comics who is not in this page dang it makes me wonder why he's not and you could say maybe he's dead <clears throat> But later on, um, should I just go back? To, should I just go straight to the second? He is. Past? If you well, look there, up, there is a Robin. Uh, maybe, maybe that's one of. Maybe it, there, there's more than one. Um, yeah. So there's like maybe several, he's just but one in of the, the very first panel, very at the very bottom of it, he's not drawn standing there, but he is included in the team photo. Well, yeah, so he's that, in the team photo. That very well could be yeah. intentional. Because well, he quit the Titans in the last we saw. Yeah, I so like that... technically, he, I mean, he did walk away from them, so he may be being Damien. Like they're just showing us that roster, because Tim Drake is there. Even, um, even Alvin is there too, but we don't see um. We do Damien. see him appear in another story in this book, so it could just be that he's over there. Hey, are there are there chess babies too? Is there like a Teen Titans group of like little little, little chess guys? What do you mean chess guys? Yeah, I've know. got They're to know like... where that comes from. No, these these bad guys. They, this guy has a little knight on him, and then that guy. Oh, um, she's a little pawn. You mean um, Terra they look like bad and, guys. Um, Jericho. What's that? 
Terra is oh Terra Terra and Jericho. They're they're Deathstroke's kids. Well, not on Terra. Well, well, because they, they depending on, yeah. Uh, I, I okay. I thought they might be because like <laughs> there's that because uh, like Max Lord runs with like those guys. He he has all those chess guys. I didn't know if this was like a teen a teen group of those. Yeah, no, no, those ones are that's Deathstroke's kid and somebody who was influenced by Deathstroke. Okay, well, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Now, as we do see this whole story, as we do see like the whole team, everyone's just getting to know each other, saying like, "Hey, how you been? How is this all happening?" All um, we do see somebody up here, none other than Wally West, and. We do also see a picture of Don Troy in the, in the uh, um, upper corner, in the lower corner of her. We see a picture of Kid Flash from back in the day and Roy Harper back in the day, which in the beginning of the Titans and Rebirth, there was a little bit of a love triangle between the three. So tensions are growing. There was a, a bit of a love triangle when the team first started out. And then it oh, was became... there one as well? Yeah. And then it became that Roy and Wally became best friends. I mean, like like better friends than Superman and Batman, better friends than Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. I mean, they were the best of friends. Now, should I go straight down to the last? Yeah, yeah. Go, the ahead and, go ahead and wrap it up. But before you do, tell me what you thought. What 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 popped into your head when you saw Wally show up? Don's gonna wreck him. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, what is gonna happen now?" Because I, when they said, "Why is he doing?" He, you saw, um, it says, uh, "Why is everyone so tense?" What he, what's he doing here? Oh, this is gonna be fun. And then I was like, "Uh, who in the hell?" And then it was Wally West. I'm like, "Oh boy, what is gonna happen now?" Because, I mean, while Roy was Wally's best friend, Roy was loved by everybody. Now, recently, I listened to the Wood Balloon podcast when Tom King was, he was, it was supposed to be about the Batcat book, but he says about, he recently read Bad, um, Heroes in Crisis, and he's like, it's actually a good book. I stopped it. I deleted the episode. Like, no, no, no. Fuck <laughs> you. That's, that book is not good. N- nobody can tell me that's a good book. The book is crap. So, I feel like there was no reason to kill off all those people. Roy Harper did not need to die. Lagoon Boy did not need to die. All those people did not need to die just to make Wally West a villain. I thought it was ridiculous. It was... I'll still never, I'll still never forget opening that book and when you see all those bodies, you see a green lantern. But that was, that was because the artist was just... Um, was goofing off and had and just for no good reason. Wait, wait, you drew the street Green Lantern there for no good reason, man. That's a big thing you did. Hey, real quick, this is something I want to shout out to anybody that's listening out there in the comics during Heroes Heroes in Crisis. Goon <laughs> Boy is not killed during the initial run through by Wally West. He's shot when he stumbles upon all the dead bodies. Who do you think shot him? Because it's never again brought up. See, it's weird because, like, 
it's strange how they picked him because all people who might know him is from the Young Justice TV show. But if you don't know him from there, you don't really have much of a connection with him because he. I mean, he could have served as a plot device. It really could have been any character. The, the, I'm just curious because it, it's never mentioned again. So are we supposed to believe that Wally chose to shoot him? Or was there somebody else in play that we have yet to come back and acknowledge? That's something we can say for another time, though. We should probably finish walking through the end of the Titans here. Why don't you take us to that? All right, so... At the end of the book, we get the end. We get the end part of this story. And does Donald wreck him? No. Instead, he gives a big hug and say, it's, and say, it's okay. You don't have to say it. We know. Which, it, it was okay. Like, it made no sense at all. Like, I feel as if this was a cliffhanger that meant nothing. I wish, like, at least one character sets, like, we're trying, like, I don't like how everybody is, is, is okay with the fact that he, what he did. Like, now, like, now everybody's like, oh, no, no, don't wait, we get, okay. Like, no, 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 come on. Somebody should be in pain, okay? He killed Roy. Which, speaking of Roy, he goes back up from alive. He goes back from the dead. But we... As one of Batman's Black Lanterns. Yes. And um, this is definitely something that I notice when you see Aqualad, Don Troy, and Dead Roy Harper all together. You do see him having a small smile, but then next pa- next panel, you do see Roy looking over, and then again, back at just one panel of Roy, no, the smile is gone. It like, just tips to his head. Makes you wonder if he's... The- are we going to see tensions between those two? Nah. Get up? nah. It, I, when I, I'll tell you, man, when I, I, I loved Red Hood and the Outlaws and, mm. and Arsenal and Roy Harper, Red Arrow was, was a, a big, huge, one of my favorite characters for a long time too. Um, that right there, I can tell you that being true to character, him tipping his hat right there was Roy Harper saying, we're good, bro. I, I, I just, that, that weird. Was, he didn't, sm- he told smiles away now. He's not well, smiling he, anymore. He wouldn't be smiling. I mean, that's dead ass serious. He was, though. He's forgiving his best friend for killing him. He ain't gonna <sighs> smile when he's talking about that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing. I, I think, I think, I think the lack of the smile suits the situation. See again, I don't like how people are like. Oh, it's okay. You you kill me. It, it's all good. Like no 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 no. We should see at least something going on. Okay, we can't just forgive somebody for killing somebody. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of shorthand. I mean, like in a full arc, this would be like a whole thing. But it's like sure. they, they got they got six pages to get it done. So for just the sake of it, they want to get the big action shot with everybody standing together. So. I get, yeah, because I guess because that's how it ends. Them just running off to battle. Plus, plus, when you know you're gonna die the next day, you get a little bit altruistic. Just hey, a dude, bit. That's true. Because that's what happens in another um story. Um, so I guess the only thing that the story did was I guess bring back Roy, which was the 
best part of the whole book, honestly. Yeah, I got really excited, and I hope to see more of them. Um, that said, we're going to go ahead and move on to the second story of uh, the last stories of the DC Universe. That is The Last Nights featuring the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Raphael Albuquerque and Ivan Placencia, and letters by Steve Wands. Reed, why don't you walk us through Green Lantern last night's? Absolutely. Um, it's a... Yeah, again, this is all kind of everybody's last night on on the Earth before the big battle or what have you, or well, maybe not Earth, I don't know what, but the, the last night they have. Um, and in this case, we have Green Lantern becoming... Uh, contemplative he goes to visit uh his father's grave and then goes and finds a jet i was really hoping that we'd see that my dude is going to climb in this jet and fly it around a little bit uh he does not um he just flies with his green lantern power to the valley of the rainbow rings um and you guys remember where that came from no i have no idea that was that was from a death metal tie-in featuring um baby batman and he led the rainbow core i don't know if you do you remember that from the early death metal science read that may have came before that may have been out before you started with yeah death metal was already in full swing anthony do you remember that one slightly slightly but yeah that's where it came from the they they were obviously defeated and all the rings fell to the to the valley and that's where there's literally a whole valley just filled up with lantern rings now of every spectrum pretty cool i thought so too uh i yeah uh so we find how uh, he he, or green lantern goes there and he's he's looking at the rings and kind of contemplative and he he has a guest and it's sinestro uh, and he kind of, he kind of, in in a way, asks Green Lantern's forgiveness. And at first, Green Lantern kind of says, "No, suck my whole butt." But eventually, pretty much, he's th- like, "I'm that, not in the mood to deal with your crap right now, Sinestro." The line when he says, "No, I don't suppose I," he's, uh, where he says, "You don't deserve it," and Sinestro says, "No, I don't suppose I do." And maybe you're right. Maybe a little fear is what we all need tomorrow, anyway. And that is that's that's quite a moment. Um, it really was for me too. That that was that was quite good. And it is for Hal as well because he gives Sinestro a ring. He does the bit. They Green Lantern up, and they're like, "How do you want to spend your last night?" And they're like flying around as Green Lanterns with my bud, and they and they do it. And it's you know it's an, an end green end yep that's that that's pretty much it um i guess sinestro wants to go out the same way he started right as the green lantern yeah you know and it's it's it, i didn't realize i didn't know who was writing this or who wrote this um but um the it's fact boy is, jeff lemire it, the, because i'm i'm not surprised to to learn that because of how emotional 
the the last couple of panels are with Sinestra looking at his ring and walking away very sad, mm-hmm. a little sad Charlie Brown purple man. And yep. I was I'm I was so shook by that because I don't I don't care about Sinestro. Who cares? Go be sad, a little weird looking fool. But in that moment, <laughs> I was like I was really struck. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, so we will move over to the next story. Wonder Woman in the title The Question, written by Mariko Tamaki, with art by Daniel Sampier and Adriana Lucas, with letters by Seda Tamafante. Um, first and foremost, let me tell you, um, I think I wish this team was drawing the regular Wonder Woman title. This is oh, the normal, the normal writer, the normal writer for Wonder Woman. You guys are on the same page. Uh, yep. that, that literally was, I was waiting for a chance to say that I love how this looks so much. They they really went after Greg Rucka's death metal Wonder Woman look, and that's completely fine by me, but I would love, love to see this team look. knock that out on the regular Wonder Woman title. That would be great. I, if she um, wanted to get some dyed blue white tips all the time, I'm fine with that. Death Metal Wonder Woman is the best thing, best part that came out of all of this stuff is this look right here. It's it is it is hands down my favorite Wonder Woman look. Um, that said, the art is probably my favorite part of this story. Uh, somebody story? that I'm not used to seeing having any kind of a crisis really is having quite the existential one, existential one. Um, she took down the Batman who laughs and felt nothing from it and i guess maybe she was expecting some kind of feeling to come from it even though it was temporary she wanted grief she wanted sadness she wanted victory she wanted something and she she got absolutely nothing out of it so for some reason this makes her doubt whether or not she believes she is ready for the final battle so she goes and she talks with her mother and her 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 mother basically says you know she, she tries to suggest to go with batman's plan and wonder woman shoots that down and says she's ready but she's lying because she doesn't feel like she is then she walks upon the riddler and this part it, I, it just didn't make any sense and it felt like even mariko tamaki knew it didn't make sense it, it, <laughs> it, it literally says, it, it kind sense. of says It's been too long, which is to say it has been a long, long time, which is to say we never talk. Well, yeah, because when would Wonder Woman have anything to do with the Riddler? Um, But he's got a question, and then he throws her a riddle, and it's kind of really plain Jane stuff, um, questioning whether or not she's ready, and Wonder Woman says, I am. But then she's alone, and she admits that she's not. And that's when we get one of the multitude of donna troys that are running around right now hey get, i don't it's fine with me yeah two or three and i i always love donna troy i don't have a problem with multiple versions of her running around but uh it's gonna be difficult to keep track of them if you don't put them <laughs> in different outfits well, that's all i'm dead. saying so um she talks with donna troy donna troy gives her a bit of a pep talk and they're all pushing her gently towards the end of the story um wonder woman is feeling empty and it confuses her because of that but after this talk that she's got with the alternate alternate universe donna troy she feels reassured about who she is 
because Donna says, look, this is who you are. You're not going to feel anything until you're supposed to, and you're not going to, you're not supposed to until everything is done. You didn't feel anything because this isn't done yet. You will when the time comes. And that's how the story ends. Um, ultimately, I wasn't overall impressed with it. It wasn't horrible, but it was kind of blah. But uh, let's take a look at the next one, shall we? It's a good one, too. Uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary in Dust of a Distant Storm, written by Gail Simone with art by Megan Hetrick and Marisa Louise. Or is that Marissa? I think it's Marisa. Louise and letters by Travis Lanham. Reed, you want to walk us through that one? Absolutely. Um, so this is a story featuring Black Canary and Green Arrow. Uh, the, the art... Uh, kind of sets out right away as a uh, like a a, a, a... Jimmy, I get this one too. Uh, the it's a very specific. It's a very specific style. It kind of looks more animated, maybe like a like a brave and a bold kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, but I don't hate it yeah. because this is just kind of like a little one shot. The there is a really fun gag where there is a goth universe version of the Doom Patrol that is the <laughs> Gloom Patrol, and it gave your I boy quite a little chuckle. Uh, I couldn't figure out who the dude in the back was, though. Oh, he's, I think he's a villain in the comics, though. Is that supposed to be Mr. Nobody? He was in season, no, he was in season two of um, the show, though. Um, oh, some okay. sort of clock guy, I think. Okay. Well, it was fun. It was a fun little gag, um, and not much else happens. There's like Joker sharks. They go and raid like the Amazonians' pantry, and there's a scene. I I, I don't understand if I, I, let me know if you guys understood what the heck was going on here. Um, she, uh, Black Canary takes a vial of of green goop, and then says bottoms up and shoots it. And says it tastes like battery acid and pee. And he says, "And I, what is that? Did I miss something? What the what the fuck is that?" Well, I'm sorry. right before they're Jim they're cusses, but what the what what is that's that? okay that's okay okay uh, what the fuck okay, is I, that? <laughs> I can bleep it out later. You're good. Oh, um, shoot. In, good. in the in the page before <laughs> in the page production. before they're standing uh, in front of a, a bunch of shelves, and they're all green. Of different is that sizes the Amazonian sea rations? I'm assuming rations? that's what it is. They found okay. something to drink out of the sea rations. So. It's like it's like liquid lumbus bread or something. Okay, I get you. Or, or you know, I mean, liquid uh, wine. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> green wine. Themyscirium. Well, yeah. So they run away from a bunch of Joker sharks, um, and have kind of like a little moment and they're they're uh you know just kind of like you know they're they're trying they were trying to have a date and he's like yeah sorry but like whatever you're superheroes it's the end of the world and um someone approaches and it is their daughter from a different mother i was trying to do like a pun you know, like brotherhood. <laughs> it didn't work out a different multiverse, but it's like a baby that they didn't have, but might have, could have existed. Uh, she's a black arrow. Um, she's got a little crossbow on her wrist, a little, a little hood. Now, is this a, is this a character that exists, or is this? Are we just throwing this out here real quick? No, this is something that's thrown out real quick. Um, okay. 
in the Arrowverse on the CW, there was a kid that uh, that um, that uh, Oliver Queen and um, Felicity. Uh, Felicia, yeah. Fe- uh, and she was pretty much the same hero, so that may have been a source of inspiration. But regardless, I, th- there's definitely some change up that happens in this one. They created her whole cloth, yeah, yeah. It is um, in her multiverse. Uh, her mother was Green Arrow, and her father was Black Canary with a flock <laughs> of seagulls haircut, which is quite a nice touch. And I um, mean, uh, not just the flock of seagulls haircut going on there, but. Um, there's <laughs> there's just something about seeing Oliver Queen in, in tight black leather and fishnets that made me laugh. Man. <laughs> well, like I could, you, could, you could for sure see it though. I mean, of all of those guys, of all of like the Justice League, he seems to type oh, the yeah. fishnets. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Um, so anyhow, um, so Black Arrow, Laurel, as it were. There's a really weird scene. On the same page with the multiverse, uh, um, mix them up, where it, it, he's, it, it's just it's really uncomfortable because Green Arrow is seems to be cupping her head in a paternal way. It does not read like that. It comes across like he's about to like kiss her romantically. I, I it was a little off putting for me. Also, her outfit is buck wild. Yeah, her outfit is pretty crazy. I see the panel that you're talking about. It does, and I think it's probably the background that makes it look more romantic than they intended. But because um, they do, they do a similar, they do a similar panel where Black Canary like fixes her hair, and it it looks a little awkward too. But I, I don't know. There's just something about that that like may, maybe it's because her outfit is what it is is i don't know Perhaps. the whole the it's, whole it's, interaction it's is strange. browning green leather up the front and back and on the sides it's nothing but fishnet so she obviously drew inspiration from both of her parents i yeah i get it but like ooh boy ooh, i don't know it made, it made me uncomfy a little cringy fi- but i thought her outfit was pretty cool i mean yeah, I, cool. her it's outfit cool was pretty cool standalone the idea of the character i like i thought well, here's it was a real question neat. Here's a real question. Does she so she obviously took up some arrowness? Her name is Black Arrow. Does that mean does she have any canary powers too? I would assume so. Something to think about. Uh well they have a kind of yeah. Um there's not much to this. Uh they have kind of like a thing and she's like, Hey, like I'm like your daughter, but not really, but like there's a version of my parents here and I'm like a version of a daughter that you could have been. So it's like, is it cool? Like I'm freaked out because we're probably all gonna die tomorrow. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, it's chill. Like we'll like we'll like hug it out. It's it's cool. Um and I think it's you know, it's just nice. It's just like a nice little little bit and then right on to the next. And the next one is Aquaman Whalefall, written by Christopher Sabella, art by Christopher Christopher Mooneyham, and Enrica Aaron Angiolini. I know I butchered that. It's Enrica Aaron Angiolini. <laughs> Letters right. by Dave Sharp. This particular story is a whole lot different than the rest of them because it's written from the perspective of a letter. Sometimes when you're in charge, you have to make really hard choices, and sometimes you regret those choices. This seems to be the theme here in Aquaman's story. 
we first see Arthur swimming away from the Justice League in his death metal garb through the deep ocean. There's no dialogue in the story, just one letter from Arthur to his daughter, Andy. In it, Aquaman talks about many things, how he always thinks about death now when, he never, when it never used to enter his mind. He talks about the differences and points of view that the oceans and the surface have about death. Throughout the letter, you can tell that Aquaman did what he thought was the best thing to do at the time. Much like Wonder Woman running the prison on what used to be Themyscira, Aquaman commands the Black Fleet for the Darkest Night. The letter that he writes is filled with hope that Andy will understand the decisions that he made and that he made them so that there would be a world after the final battle, a world where she would one day rule in his stead. The story is set off by the explanation of the life cycle of a fallen blue whale as Arthur swims by. He touches on how large she was and how much she touched and affected everything around her until one day she had her whale fall. The moment where she just stopped and fell down to the floor of the ocean to provide a new piece of world for those around her as death takes her and makes her body one with the world. He likens his own journey to that of a whale fall as well, and he welcomes it if it means that there will be a world that will still have his daughter in it afterwards. Now, I thought that was pretty interesting. The art is a lot more serious. It's a lot more, um, it's drawn to be impactful. Mm-hmm. It works for sure. And it, it definitely does work for it. Um, the story itself was great, I thought. Um, if not different than the rest of the book in tone, it, 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 it was really good. Um, we got a character who we're used to seeing being full of pride and being arrogant and being sure of his decisions. And now he's, he's regretting what seems to be just about everything. You know, he's, he's maybe not regretting it, but definitely having second, second thoughts and, and, you know, he's fingers are crossed that his kid understands. Um, I guess as a parent, I can relate to that. And speaking of being a parent, we're going to move on to the next story. Um, the Bat Family hey. features in We Fight for Love, written by Cecil Castellucci with art by Mirka, Mirka Andolfo and Andrew Dollhouse with letters by Dave Sharp. Despite the title of the story, I had no idea what it would be that we would be getting in this book. Um, we Fight for Love is not something that I would expect out of a Batman title, but here we are. <laughs> the story is pretty much narrated by Batman throughout, though there is dialogue. The theme of that narration is that the only true weapon that they have in this final fight against the Darkest Night is love. They will fight together as a family, and though they may die tomorrow, they have tonight. Batman says that we fight together, and in my heart, no matter what the outcome, that is our victory. This is a bit out of character for Bruce, but overall, we have seen him edging his way toward being much more family-oriented in several titles as of late, so that, that part kind of does make sense, even if, it is a little, even if it is a little jarring. Though we're given little glimpses of what is going on at Camp Bat, the majority of the rest of the story focuses on Nightwing and Batgirl. Nightwing makes repeated attempts to steal a moment with Barbara, but she rejects him on the basis that she doesn't need him getting into her head right before the biggest fight of their lives. And I have to say that's pretty sound logic. 
Later on, Batman gathers everyone together under the auspice of making sure that everyone was ready and that they could do an equipment check. Damien storms off. Oh, no, 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 no. done. Go ahead. Wait, are you sure that's Damien? Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they say... Same that, costume, however, I they, believe call they, they call him. They call him Damien by name. They, they do? Later, later on, when they're all standing around at the equipment check, um, it says Damien. And yeah, then, and then Bab poker, says, "Let him right? go." That's he knows Tim himself. It's oh. Tim playing poker. Oh, okay. But then, in the group later on, it does. It it says Damien, and then it's Bab says, "Let him go." He knows himself, so he's there. I don't know where Tim is. That's definitely Tim playing poker. But then it calls him Damien later. Wait, at the end of they see they say that what Damien. Yeah, you when they're all standing next to the campfire, and you've got Babs, Dick, Jason, Batman, and what we up to this point assumed was Tim, but now they're calling Dick. What? Or excuse me, now they're oh, calling Damien. Nightwing says Damien. Yeah. yeah. I think he's trying to bring up Damien, but he does. But they want they want they don't want Dick to bring. Damien up because we don't really see Damien. He gets a mention. That's because we see Bob go leaving. It could it could very well be possible that he's just bringing him up. That's 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 possible. Um, Because it's strange how Tim is in Damien's costume. It's almost as if they do refer directly to the Robin as Tim. So I mean, you are right. It could be that he's trying to bring up Damien and he's saying, let him go. Or she's saying, let him go. I mean, that that, that could be a way to take it. Makes you wonder, like, why? Is like, is this something happened well, I mean, post-Stress League if, to if, now? If, or? If, the, if Damien isn't here and he's not in the Teen Titans story that's in this book, then that does bring a dang good question. Where is Damien? But um, it's almost when, as the, if, like, when the Robins leave, they bring up Damien, and then Dick and Barbara start arguing again. Uh, Batman steps in and tells them to skip to the end of it because he needs them focused, which kind of sides with Barbara's logic, and I'm sure that may upset Dick a little bit. But uh, Dick's response to that is a marriage proposal. After a little bit of shock, and uh, Barbara finally conceding that that's, of course, where they're eventually going to head anyway. Um, the two of them agree to spend the night as a married couple, though it will be annulled if they survive. By the power vested in me by nobody, you're married. Done. <laughs> Done. It's over. So that's, that's that one. The Bat Family, We Fight for Love. It was pretty much lining up a one-day wedding of Nightwing and Barbara. Let's see what happens in the, in the next and final title of the book, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, with a return to writing for Superman that many people have been waiting for. Mark Wade with art by Francis Manipal and letters by Josh Reed. Anthony, walk us through the return of Mark Wade in Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Now, I saw with Clark making some sort of device, makes him go back in time. That's probably my only negative I have about this story is like it seemed to 
I feel as if that's just a big thing that could help the heroes out a big time. But you mean, that in, side, you mean you mean in like regular normal stories? No, no, I meant like in this story and oh, oh, the yeah. overall death metals. Yeah. They have something that can make them go back in time. That could help them out a lot. But pushing that to a side, this was seriously a great um, story because each time he goes back in time, he tries like Superman tries to make hopeful for the world as he knows that tomorrow might be the last day. So he wants to make the best with his time that is possible. And we do see him do a lot. We see him like fixing bridges. Uh, we see him um, make, make, make up solar panels. He wants to make sure that if there is still a world after tomorrow, there's still hope. He wants to make sure that during death, during people's final hour, there's still hope. Yeah, he's, he's, he's rescuing people. He's He's like you said. He's repairing bridges. He's building high schools. He's even taking time to spend time with elderly people in convalescent mm-hmm. care. He's he's going back in time. Basically, what's happening is he built the Chrono device Anthony mentioned, and it sends him back in time one hour. But then, when that hour is almost up, he goes back in time again, and it just replicates another Superman over and over and over again. And we even do like. He does spend time with with his family, with John and Lois. So again, like this, this is definitely a hopeful issue before death. Basically, this was well done. Well done. Great job writing it. Great job at the art. Definitely the best story of the um, seven stories that we've got. Well, that's a pretty strong opinion. All right. That is pretty much it. It seemed like he had uh, uh, given him chance, given himself the chance by going back uh, thousands of times. He gave himself thousands of hours to how to figure out how to say goodbye to his family, and then we didn't get much more than um, what was his final words there. Uh, we still have some time, and then he says, "I get to tell them goodbye." Uh, yeah. I think most of it. Uh, Lois begins to complain, and then Clark says that basically tells her to hush, and that they need to uh, make the most out of their time together. Um, and then the three fly off together. So yeah, excellent story, man. Um, All together, what did you guys think about the last stories of the DC universe, Anthony? What were you thinking about it overall? You got any major complaints? Personally, I do wish because you said this was eight nine nine. This was eight ninety nine. Yes, sir. It sure was. That's quite the price tag. And it is I think that honestly, it, I think that price tag comes from the the amazing creators that they they hired to produce this thing, no, not from the page sure. count. Yeah, it was. Definitely one of the better um, tie-ins, but I don't think it was worth basically like nine bucks. Like if this was like sixteen. Yeah, sure. I, I, I see that'd be worth it. Um, we had great stories. Um, some not so much. I really did not like 
I believe that they're going to do the whole proposal and and Green Arrow. Um, hopefully they don't bring it wild because we're getting a little bit too. We already had one not too long ago in Aquaman. The stories are very good. I would just highly recommend this book. I gotta give this a eight out of ten. All right, Reed, where were you at with the last stories? Um, well. So the the thing that I have to kind of factor this through is that that price point is something to consider um, in in this rating. It's not something I normally consider, but for a book of this size, basically what you're paying for is, um, I, I in my opinion, you're paying for some really dope art. Um, whether that justifies that full price tag, I don't know, but I, I will say this is a great looking for a tie-in book. This looks amazing. Um, some of this, I, I, there's a lot of Donna Troy in here, and I'm a big fan of that. Some stories pop a little bit more than others. Um, the Aquaman story looks great and, and is, is, is kind of a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's kind of satisfying overall. Man, that's a dark story. You get a weird definition of fun. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 it's on brand. It looks great. It, it's 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 kind of very on brand for like a for Aquaman's headspace. Very much so. I thought it was done great. Um, and then the Titans, and then there's Donna Troy all over the place. Um, so I think I think this is great. I I would say, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend this like people to go out and pick up this book but i will rate it uh, highly um this is uh I, i'll give this one a 7.5 out of 10 and probably five of those points are for the art alone and I, that's not to say maybe you don't i don't know if you should go out and pick it up um but if you're into the storylines uh, i think it's it, it might be worth it yeah well my opinion is that it is not integral integral yeah, it is. It's not important to the main overall death metal storyline. But that said, if you're the kind of person that really loves character moments in a comic book, um, more than just action, if you like to delve into the emotional side, if you like to delve into the psychological side of your of your favorite characters and see where they're at, I think that. This book, yeah, does give a great, very personal look at all of our favorite characters. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, even in the more cartoony um, Green Arrow, Black Canary, uh, I, I thought that that was fantastic. Um, I, I enjoyed darn near every part of this. I'm going to, I, I have to give this an 8.5 out of 10. Um, it, is it worth $9 as a casual uh -huh. read? Is mm. it? No, not as a casual yeah. read. Yeah. But if you are that person that does crave those character things and you are into the death metal story and mm. you are a DC universe reader, yeah. not just a couple titles, then this is probably a book you're going to want to read because it does give you some good moments with, with some good characters and some really good writing and art. 8.5 out of 10, easily. So, okay, 
Now it is time to pick the top three books of the week and your favorite panel slash moment of the week. Reed, you want to give us yours? Absolutely. Okay, so hmm. this is there's there's some stuff this week. Um, yet again, this is it's a real tough kind of it's a tough one and two this week. Um, I think. Hmm. I think number three, I'm gonna go with the Detective Comics. Uh, that Hush is is pretty buck wild, and he's trying to sell guts on the internet. I I'm a big <laughs> fan of that. Um. Hmm. I'm I'm doing a real controversial pick with myself. I, I kind of did this latest walkthrough kind of talked it up for me. Number two, I think I'm gonna go with Sweet Tooth. Uh, the return, and I think my number one, because I would love to just pick the, if I could, I would just choose the flashback segments of Endless Winter, but that's not really an option. <laughs> and the Superman book and the Flash book are so weak, I can't really do this. So I'm gonna go ahead and say the last stories, which I thought would be something that I was not into. I, th- I think it, I scored Sweet Tooth higher, but. Last Stories is, I think, my favorite. Okay. All right. My what best panel... It, my best yeah. panel is... Oh, sorry. I don't mean to step on that. But my best panel is that Sinestro, Sinestro scene where he thinks, says maybe a little bit of fear and then when he's walking away. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. I really felt that one, man. Anthony, where were you at this week? In this order, in three, two, one, I have Sweet Tooth Return followed by... Dark Knight's last stories of the DC universe and book of the week, none other than Superman Endless Winter Special. <laughs> now, my moment slash panel slash page slash scene slash everything else of the week is none other than the return of Roy Harper, Heck one of the yeah. best titans, the one of the most underrated characters ever. I love Arsenal, man. All right, so mine, mine. I'm gonna. I had I had a tough time choosing between uh, second and third place. Uh, they bounced back and forth. They gave them the exact same score, but because I had, you know, I mean, it's it's a Batman book, y'all. So number three, I'm gonna have to give the Sweet Tooth. I love where it is going. I can't wait to read more, but number two is going to go to Detective Comics. I've got those in reverse order from Reed. Um, I can't wait to see what's coming from it, man. Um, Peter J. Tomasi is not on it much longer, so I hope he wraps his his run up and sticks the landing. Um, And that leaves number one left, and number one is going to have to be, for me, uh, the last stories of the DC Universe. I just, I love those moments uh, every story was pretty darn good normally you will not hear me talk good about a tie-in uh to death metal and um especially not one that relates to the main story and this was just done so well guys um if you've got the money and you're interested at all check it out i loved it my favorite moment my favorite moment i usually stretch this out over the course of two to three pages (laughs) but uh because you know i'm lazy but uh, it's going to be one panel this time. Uh, when, Arsenal, when Arsenal tipped his hat to Flash, I'm not going to lie, I almost teared up. 
that single panel with an undead Roy using no words at all shows that the wrap up and the forgiveness from one of the biggest faux pas that has been made in DC in the recent years, which was Heroes in Crisis ending with Wally being a murderer and killing his friends. Roy has forgiven him for that. And um, I hope that that forgiveness uh, carries on past death metal, past future state and well into um, hopefully getting Arsenal back and, uh, and the, uh, the events of hero and heroes in crisis being being undone the that that was my favorite moment man i just went oh man when i saw that i i, I, I could just feel the feels so now we got our we got our top three we got our favorite moment out of the way now it is time for our newest segment the biggest thinker oh that's nasty <laughs> the biggest stinker of the week for me guys is gonna have to be superman endless winter special one um contrary wow. to anthony who has that as his top book of the week this just <laughs> fell flat not only was special thrown on to the end of this title for no reason when flash wasn't um even though they're released in the same week but uh the art looks like it's for the six to ten year old crowd Superman is completely written out of character. And I, I felt absolutely no connection between Superman and his parents or Superman and Lois Lane. It was very perfunctory. It was very generic. It was very bland. I could say almost all of these things about the Flash one too, except this one was just worse. My biggest stinker is definitely going to be Superman. Where did you guys land on the stink list? <laughs> the stink list. Uh, I think I'm right with you for, for most of the same reasons. Um, nothing really happened. Uh, he was acting kind of kooky and looked pretty bad. And Ma Kent's glasses really gave me the creeps. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whoa, now. That's my stinker. She had creepy glasses. Martha. Anthony, what is your stinker of the week? I'm half with you guys. I'm watching going with the Flash. Unless one job. Because we learned absolutely right. nothing happened at all. Like, it, if you didn't read that issue, then you're good. That's one you can easily just skip. It was close for me, but the fact that uh, Viking Prince poured mead on the ground and it went in between a crack in the ground and then Swamp Thing grew out of that of like beer that's what sold that that's what i was that was doing that calculus and i said swamp thing grew out of beer so that's fine yeah yeah i mean I, good enough for me may have been why flash got a whole point more than superman mm, that's why <laughs> i mean that's pretty cool if you think about it it's good enough for me that's how i make my decisions <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is it. The uh, biggest winners and the biggest stinkers have been taken care of, everybody. So that is the show. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, you can feel free to reach out and contact us at any time. We want to talk about this stuff with you guys and love to do so. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot to find us on your favorite podcast platforms and patreon.com forward slash not a robot podcasts 
for early and additional content for as low as a dollar a month. Notarobotpodcasts.com will take you to everywhere you need to go. What do we say when we're ready to get out of here, Reed? Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Domo Arigato, Mr. Robot, Domo.